What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I sat back down with our good friend, Texas Slim, to have a very long, meandering conversation about food, low time preference, a bunch of other things. It was a great rep. I think you guys are going to like it. It was brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App, so you stack sets, send sets, receive sets, and sell sets, if you so please. Uh, sats are the standard on the app. Cash App makes it very easy to DCA in the sats. You can send it and forget it. Cash App can be your bank account. They offer account numbers and rallying numbers. They have their Boost product, which allows you to get cash back and sats back every once in a while via the app. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. You can send the Taproot scripts from uh, the Cash App now. Uh, they're pushing the way. Use the code stacking sats if you haven't <clears throat> downloaded the Cash App yet. You're going to get $10. $10 is going to go toward good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> This rep is also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to do many things for you. Well, one of my favorite things that they do is they help you with custody. Collaborative custody are here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. If you have all your Bitcoin on an exchange, you're, that's a single point of failure. That exchange can get rug pulled. Therefore, you can get rug pulled if you have all your Bitcoin behind a single SIG wallet, that is a risk as well. If you lose that wallet, if you're using a hardware wallet or a paper wallet and the backup to that wallet, you are shit out of luck. So what a Unchained does and what they want you to do is to engage in a collaborative multi-SIG, a two or three multi-SIG, which you hold two keys, Unchained holds one. Uh, as long as you have your keys, you're, you can move your Bitcoin in and out of your vault as you so please. They're offering a white glove concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having a collaborative custody vault set up uh, on their platform. Uh, you're going to have multiple video conference calls. They're going to get you hardware wallets. They're going to get you comfortable with multi-sig. They're going to get you set up and then they're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats into your vault once you're all set up. Again, eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. Try out the Unchained Vault. They've got IRA products. They've got lending products. They've got incredible content as well. Tell them the TFTC sent you for this collaborative custody vault uh, package and you're going to get $50 off. Go check out everything they have going on at Unchained. Dot com. This rip is also brought to you by our friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is here to get more individuals into the home mining game. All right. What you do, you go to compassmining.io and you buy an ASIC. They're going to send that ASIC to your house and then they have an at-home mining support team as well. It's going to communicate with you to tell you everything you need to do to get your house, your wherever you're plugging your mire in, ready to get it plugged in and have it hashing and getting that hash pointed at a, a mining pool that is then going to send you Excuse me, I just burped a little bit. Uh, your sats. Uh, so you can check this out. Compassmining.io. Buy an ASIC. I send it to you. They have a support team that's going to tell you everything you need to do to set it up. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, they have uh, the ability, if you want to take the risk of going with a hosting facility as well, you can buy the ASIC. They'll plug it at the hosting facility. They have an incredible content team. I know uh, Zach and Will are hopping on the mic tomorrow with Drew and AJ from Cathedral Bitcoin. So check that out. It is currently December 16th. So on the 17th, they will be doing that. Uh, this trip is also brought to you by good friends at Brains. Brains is here to help you stack more sats with your hash. Their Brains OS Plus firmware is auto-tuning firmware that allows you to uh, you download this firmware on compatible uh, mining models. Uh, and it basically makes your machine more efficient and allows you to stack more sats with your hash. It takes your hash a bit longer. If you have a mining model that is compatible with Brains OS Plus and you're not using it, you're leaving sats on the table. Um, and if you want to, uh, you are using Brains OS Plus, you want to track what's going on and look at the data and compare yourself to 
potential scenarios, you go to insights.brains.com, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. Uh, it's an incredible mining dashboard. It's going to uh, teach you about profitability, difficulty, hash rate, mining pool stats, uh, per model, miner stats. It's a beautiful thing. Go check out everything they have going on. If you have a miner that's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you're leaving stats on the table, make sure you download it and go check out everything at brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. This trip is also brought to you by our good friends at HODL. HODL, HODL, HODL is here to bring you a peer-to-peer lending platform, right? Uh, lend.hodlhodl.com allows you to engage in peer-to-peer lending. Again, they're leveraging multi-sig. It's a two or three setup. You hold one key, your counterparty in the trade, trade holds another key, and HODL, HODL holds the third key. You put your Bitcoin up in that multi-sig two or three escrow uh, as collateral, and then you get stable coin liquidity as a result from your counterparty. Um, and then HODL, HODL acts as an arbiter there. So as long as you put your stats up, you get that stable coin, you go spend it on what you want as long as you're paying <clears throat> that um, that interest back uh, plus your principal, you're going to get your stats back at the end of the day. Alternatively, if you're a stable coin user and you want to get yield on that, you can enter the other side of this marketplace, but your stable coin's up for yield in the form of Bitcoiners looking for liquidity, paying you back what you put up plus interest. Go check all this out at lend.hodlhodl.com. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at uh, Bitcoin 2022. Bitcoin 2022 is happening in Miami, April 6th to the 9th, 6-9. Nice. Uh, it's going to be an incredible event. I'm going to be there speaking. We're doing a live RHR. Uh, it's going to be a massive party in Miami. Again, April 6th to 9th. You can go to b.tc slash conference to buy uh, tickets and register for the event. Uh, use the code TFTC. You're going to get 10% off. Um, it helps out the podcast too. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, get on it. The ticket prices are only going to go up as uh, more and more sell. So enjoy this Rip Freaks. Okay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Whew. Lano. Lano. It's a great small town here in Texas. Well, how do you say it? Lano? Is it Lano or Lano? Lano, or is it Yano? Yano, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's three pronunciations in the state of Texas for that. I think there's arguments, all kinds of stuff that comes up about Lano. Well, I was there last weekend. That's why we're talking about Lano, Lano, Yano. Uh-huh. Uh, I went out there, went to Enchanted Rock, like I was telling you, with my, uh, my wife, my son, and uh, a couple other Bitcoiners. Uh, and then we went to the original Coopers. It's just a really cool small town. My wife was really fascinated by the uh like the, the main street uh, yeah and call the shops there like old western town vibes well if you look at the if you look at the town i mean that's the the yano river and i say yano because i come from the yano estacado <laughs> that's the reason i say it that way but if you look at that town and how it's built around that river it's pretty fascinating and you can get some really good insight about what it was like back then whenever texas was just starting to form yeah, it's like that small little bridge that goes over the river to get to Cooper's. I mean, mm-hmm. the left on that, that boulevard. Cooper's original barbecue is it's, incredible. There's a, big, there's a big damn argument going on between Cooper's and Black's for many, many years. <laughs> What's the argument? 
well, you know, which one's better, you know, which location, everything. It's just a big thing that goes on in Central Texas, Coopers and Blacks. Where's Blacks? Blacks is over here off of uh, um, Barton Springs. Oh. Right there at uh, Dawson, I believe, in Barton Springs. Okay. You haven't been there yet? No, I haven't. Okay. There's history behind both those barbecue restaurants in the state of Texas. Was one of them, Parker Lewis was telling me the history of one of the barbecue places. They had like a family split and they had like a deep contract of like the the split off family got to like bring a coal from the fire right to their yeah. their new shop <laughs> and so they they had the eternal flame there, there's been a lot of arguments in the state of Texas about barbecue rottings <laughs> all the way down to the damn fire <laughs> it's fascinating though. it's delicious it really is yes yeah, the beef rib at Cooper's was I, I bought an extra on the way out and brought it home one of those places, it reminds me really growing up eating, you know, grand, grandparents' food, grandma's food, because when you eat at Cooper's, you know, you're eating at Cooper's and I mean, it's everything that you touch, you know, you, you, you say, well, this is, I can never forget this, you know, and that's, that's really because they get down to the source of their seat of how they serve you food. Yeah. And, you know, they put a lot of intention to be Cooper's. Yeah. And the, the way it's set up when you get the food, you go in and you get your sides your drinks, you pay, and then you turn around, it's just long uh, picnic tables. Yep. So you're brushing elbows with strangers. I imagine a lot of people that live in Lana, their community members just going, sitting, eating together. Big oh. family event. Yeah, it, it's based on community. And, you know, used to places like that, barbecue was because of beef. It was the heritage of Texas. That's what you ate. And, you know, these little joints you know, popped up and, you know, became a lot of competitions. You know, you had your fair rodeos. You had all kinds of really cool things that they kind of came from. One thing you can rely about Texas is that it's going to defend its beef and its barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're on the front lines of that with the Texas Beef Initiative. Well, that's what we're trying to get to. We're, uh, we're, we're having some great conversations yeah. and we're doing a pretty cool roadmap that I like. Yeah, so let's jump into it. The last time you were here was pre- launch of Texas Beef Initiative. You launched it, what, two weeks ago, a week ago now? That's Something right. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's happened between the last time we met here and now? Well, we're going to launch a, in kind of a two-phase process, kind of a soft launch with our website. It's not much. What we're really doing is paying attention to the data behind the, the user interface, basically, so people can start using that index mm -hmm. and they can start searching the, you know, the United States. And we put some time into the data. We know it's going to be kind of a shotgun, but uh, what we're going to do is, you know, we'll, we'll hone that data down a little bit. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be a good input opportunity for people saying, hey, I live in Vermont and I'm using this rancher. Come to the Beef Initiative. Sign, you know, don't, you don't even have to sign up. Just put in your information of who that is. Who is your rancher? Who is your farmer? We're going to crowdsource this information in a way that it's going to become an algorithm. Oh, yeah. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish. That's why I'm kind of easing into this, because in the long run, the Beef Initiative will be an online software. Yeah. So it'll be a platform. I mean, you got to imagine there's like a way you can leverage like open source mapping systems like oh yes geolocate and say hey here's my favorite rancher we're, yeah and we're we're building that's what you know that's part of the roadmap we're going to make it very interactive you know with everybody that wants to utilize it and by doing that all we do is you know we patchwork we build a platform you know out of other different very capable products you know and there's going to be stuff i was thinking about this today is like 
we need to, you know, that part of Texas that I just uh, drove through from, you know, Yano to Austin, Texas is absolutely beautiful. And all these plebs out here need to get on Google Earth and start looking at the damn satellite. Start getting into land, you know, looking at land. Just look where these places are. Look at these small towns, these small communities, and bring that intelligence to us as well. Anything you want to talk about when it comes to land and cattle, bring it to the Beef Initiative. Yeah. It's a beautiful drive out there from Austin. It really is. We went last Saturday and it was like overcast. It was weird. Like the, the hills in the foreground looked purple almost, just yeah. the way the uh, the sky was very gray and like, I guess, the reflection off the rocks and the in the horizon. This right? time of year is uh, pretty important to me. I always enjoyed the fall <clears throat> and the winter into, uh, you know, the next year here in Austin. It's pretty cool. Why is that? Why do you? Man, something about it. It's just the colors, um, the air. I mean, look at us right now. What is today? December 15th, 16th. 16th yeah. And we're in Austin. It's humid. You know, it's cloudy. <laughs> I mean, it's just peace. Yeah. You know, it really is cool. That no, is. And uh, it was... It was fun being out there. It was a little windy. It was a little cold, but it was still, it was like 55 degrees and windy right. on Enchanted Rock. That, that, have you ever climbed oh, yeah. that? Yeah, many times. Yeah, you know, uh, would not recommend it with a, with a 20 month old, but no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit more difficult than you think. Yeah. You know, we, we were, we were told it was going to be an easy hike, but I'm still very happy we went. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fascinating plant. There's a lot of stories behind Enchanted Rock. We used to go out there and we'd camp on it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, to listen at it, you know, during the summer when it cracks and, you know, you hear all kinds of different things going on. So, you know, the Native Americans used to use that for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, the Comanche used to hang out up there, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. It was the Comanches. Yeah, the, um, like I, I went online, looked at pictures, of, like apparently like going camping out there and seeing the stars in the Milky Way at night, like in the middle of the summer is the thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that part, just this part of Texas, there's so much that is undiscovered. You know, we've got our, you know, Austin has been discovered. We understand that. But you go out there and you start looking at some of these small towns. You want to put, talk about some opportunity? I mean, it is rampant. And people need to start thinking about that. You know, I'm going back to my hometown and um, that's where the beef initiative is going to be out of. I'm going to headquarter the crap out of it there. And I'm going to put it as close to the county square as I can get it. Hell and I'm yeah. going to have a production studio there, everything. And so what we're going to do is we're going to say, hey, land guy, I'm going to talk to you. Let's get into the land surveying. Tell us how you do it and tell us who comes talks to you. I want to know about the land around me. and <laughs> I want to really build a hell of a, a story behind that. And what is this just to fill information gaps between the layman and the people sure. building the let's, food? Let's dig into this process here of, all right, we talk about land all the time. Well, let's bring that discussion to the Texas Beef Initiative. What are you seeing out there, rancher? Who's coming at you with all this money? All right, then we can build a, you know, a signal to where people start paying attention to. And they're going to come to the Beef Initiative to get that. Yeah, So, and, and it's important right now because we have... Uh, I don't know if we discussed this. I don't think we, you, I think this happened between the last time we recorded and now, mm -hmm. but the eminent domain going on in the middle of the country yeah. for that carbon pipeline. You talked about that with uh, Wendy, was it? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was a, that was a good point that she made. 
Um, there's a lot of things going on with this carbon, you know, why eminent domain. There's something going on here in Texas too. What's going on? Um, I've just got in it today. Somebody sent it to me before I got here, but it's a big process. And I think they're out of Switzerland or something. And it's a lot of, you know, the same lines of capturing that freaking carbon, like they're trying to do with that eminent domain. You know, it's, it's such based on so many lies that people are listening to that it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's not only fascinating, it's dangerous. Right? No, we're, we're to a dangerous point. And, you know, I've got story after story and I always come here, you know, today I was like, well, what the hell am I going to talk about with Marty? And I said, well, I got to get back to, you know, maybe some, let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to what I just said, learn to look at a map, you know, let's find out where this, you know, the opportunities are going to be in these small towns. The people, in these small towns, they want to be educated. Mm -hmm. And who's educating them right now? Google. And they got so much heritage that they're trying to save, but they're listening to the wrong people. We've got to get back as Bitcoiners, and we've really got to start supporting these, even if it's just weekend drives, whatever, like you did with your family. You know, let's start bringing that into the discussion. Yeah. No, and, 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 and especially as it pertains like getting good beef. I mean, you go out there, you go to Cooper's, like, all right, this mm -hmm. is where the good shit is. And right. then in Cooper's, they had like the community news board and they had their, their fair coming up in early January. So we can go up there and like bid on a cattle if we wanted to. There you go. And get it cut and processed up there. Right. Well, and you're building your own beef intelligence. You know, that's what it's about. Follow the damn cow, you know, and that's a way to do it. You know, we talk about follow the money, follow the cow. <laughs> Learn how you can do it right now. You'll grow into something more evolved and a more, you know, mature and, you know, with a little bit more integrity that you go into it. But this is a lifestyle change, guys. All of us, we're having to change. We're having to look at something that comes from truth. Right now, we're finding that truth in our food. And that's through, you know, what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and. We're getting, a, I mean, we're getting to a point, and we discussed this last time you were on, where they're talking about like manufacturing food, uh, putting antibiotics in it, putting vaccines in it, uh, making it so that it can change our cellular makeup. Yes. Like we need to get back to pure food. And, yes. And that's the thing that since we last spoke, we've been talking in a personal chat, and you just sent me these charts that scared the shit out of me. Like mm -hmm. The ammonia prices going up. Let's, right. let's talk about that first. Like how are they, how are they fucking up food prices and the ability to grow yeah. crops particularly? Well, you know, that's just, it was part of the whole, you know, what the fuck happened after 1971. I mean, and it, it, I'm a very visual guy and I visualize things. And so when I talk about this, think about all of your food that had that value. Okay. We had food that had value. Okay. Well, what happened with that? Well, our dollar lost its value. Okay. Anything touching that dollar lost its value. All right. So did our food. Well, how did it lose value? Well, we went, we quit going back to the source of the seed. We went to something that we started fabricating. Fabrication. Okay. What requires fabrication is developing something out of nothing that we don't really utilize. So let's turn a weed into canola. Okay. Well, what does that rape seed what does that need to grow? It needs a fertilizer because we're manipulating the seed. Okay, then you have fertilizers, you have pesticides, you have 
herbicides. You have the whole chemical industry that just explodes because they manipulated the damn seed, all right? Now here we are in 2021. What's going on is ammonia is used in fertilizer. Okay, fertilizer right now, the ammonia, the urea, I believe, is being uh, manufactured that is required for ammonia and required for death as well in all these diesel engines. Mm -hmm. Basically, what they're doing is they cut down production in China. They cut down production in uh, Europe. Nobody's uh, manufacturing the chemicals needed for fertilizer. Well, that fertilizer now, if you're eating from basically the supermarket, you know, you are required, your diet requires fertilizer. Well, guess what? They're blocking a lot of the, the news on the fertilizer shortage that's about to happen. So follow that trail if you can in your head. If you can, I can explain it, you know? Well, that's, that's what we have to look at here. Well, I'd like you to explain it too, but like the, the one, there's, there was like one signal warning shot that came out of Brazil, which is the fourth largest crop exporter in the world. And they right. said, we're not going to have enough fertilizer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, there's not going to be enough fertilizer. When is this going to hit? We don't know. People are hoarding it right now that can hoard it. But not only just the crops, but you think about what of all of our animal protein, what does most of our animal protein require? Either it be fowl, hog, beef, it requires grains. Yeah. Okay, where do we get those grains? Well, we get it from the, the GMO crops, the industrial food complex manufactures for us. Well, guess what? You know, <laughs> all that. And here we go. We're off to the races. Yeah. So what do we need to like have an emergency, like forced regenerative farming uh, transition or? Well, I think I'm hoping that it's going to happen naturally, but what it's going to start and it's starting with what Joel is doing with Untapped. I mean, he's getting a lot of great attention and everything, but what it really is, it, it, this is a lifestyle, lifestyle change. Bring your food back into your damn lifestyle and you have to do it. And I'm pretty sure you have to do it now. You know, and even if I'm 50% wrong, so be it. You're going to be living better. And so as far as getting the regenerative farming going, it's going. We got to bring some conversation to it. Let them come to the beef initiative and say, hey, you tell your story. So let's, let's roadmap it out for people that are thinking about this regenerative way of life and uh, bring it to, you know, everything we can. And if it can happen right now, we're ready. If, if not, we're getting there. Yeah. And that's how we have to look at this. We have to drip approach all this shit that's coming at us in a way that they're drip approaching the, the crap happening. Mm -hmm. You can't just fix this overnight. This is going to be a decade long challenge. And if we get base layered right now with our understanding and our education and our passion, perhaps, and our integrity, we can have a lot of effect right now. Yeah. And you'd be surprised at how quickly a decade could go by for you. It like, does. It does. It's nothing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm Gen X. It goes by, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, you, we have to look at the past. We have to get some wisdom into the discussion. We have to have some of y'all's fire that you guys are bringing because you, you guys are beast, man. Your production, <laughs> cre it creeps me out a little bit how fast and how hard y'all can go. Well, uh, time is of the, the essence here. Well, I we think need. it is, yes. Yeah, and, and I think we are making strides. I think people are starting to ask these hard questions. I think... The public at large uh, is beginning to turn a corner of questioning what's going on. Sure. Particularly after the last two years. 
Yeah, and there's so much that can be released right now about all this that's going on, but we have to get it right now where the narrative is just looking in here a little bit, look into where we're talking, join in a little bit. Let's build this up a little bit, and then it will, we'll build an algorithm, and nobody will be able to touch that fucking algorithm. Yeah, so let's jump into that. What do you mean when you say algorithm? How do these algorithms work? Are well, there social layer to them? There's a technical layer to them? Like what, in your view, how would you describe the algorithm? Well, I, I think just with Bitcoin, Twitter, we're already kind of, you know, we're on algorithm already. I mean, it just happens. You go from YouTube usually into Twitter. So they've got an algorithm built up right now, you know, and so we're part of that algorithm. Well, what we have to do since we're talk, talking decentralization, right? Okay, what do we mean by that? Well, we're trying to decentralize our lives in as much possible ways as we can. I bring decentralization of food into it. So bringing that into the conversation and bringing into the beef initiative, we're going to have input, we're going to have output. That's building a damn algorithm through a social means that we're going to try to decentralize in the long run. And we're going to use stuff like Podcast 2.0. We're going to use these decentralized networks. That's where we're going with this. That is where we have to go with this. Once we do that, we have an algorithm that confuses them. We can build distractions. We can build interference just like they do. But we're going to be saving our damn food. And we're going to start with the beef initiative. Yeah. It's, it's time, freaks. It is time. And I it, mean, we're here. Okay, this is time. Let's kick it off. Let's let's quit talking about it. It's fun to get involved. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do with the platform is let's get involved. Yeah. And so what, what do you say to people who are like, we need these GMOs, we need all this mass production of crops, like that's how we feed 8 billion people. And people right. say that, and then I'm like, eh, do we and then you take a flight. Like I took a flight to Charleston, South Carolina a couple months ago. Right. In Nashville last week. And I'm flying over, I'm looking out the window, I'm like, there's so much untouched land here. Mm -hmm. Like there's no way we need these like factory farms. There has to be a way sure. to, to utilize this land that's untouched. But maybe it's meant to be untouched. Like how... How do we, how do we basically score uh, the the idea that we need these GMOs and these massive um, farming operations with mm -hmm. all the untouched land that's out there? Well, this in right now in our time in history, right now, we're in discovery phase to people in the industry that feeds us. How captured are they? Where are they in this in this basically fake? food, you know, industry that we have right now, where are they? And that's going to have to be very delicate because we don't want to piss a lot of people off. But, you know, I'm going to be pretty brash and I'm going to bring you out. And if you're going to be part of the discussion, I hope you do. And we won't try to bust your balls too much. But if I have another guy that comes up to me and says, we have to feed the world, I'm going to say, fuck you. <laughs> Why? Why fuck you right there? <laughs> Because you know what, we got to feed our fucking communities first. Yeah, and that's but that's how. Yeah, that, I mean, but that's like that gets back to like the the idea of like individualism, and you you help the whole by helping yourself first. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can go deep into this and everything, but you know that's why I bring into this heritage shit. We got here for a reason. You know, there was something that happened for us to get here. And moving forward, we can grab some power from that, you know, education. It's not a bad black and white Western movie. There's something there. Find your little signal, you know, tune into it. And then we can bring some confidence, you know, to this. And we can educate because we have the receipts. 
we know what the hell has gone on with our food. There's going to be people out there that say, oh, GMO, GMO. Well, yeah, okay, you go worry about that. We're going to worry about over here. We'll see you in the long run. And that's how this is going to play out. And we will win. COP26 was a, was a failure. And that, Massive that was a failure. That was exciting for me. I was like, hell yes. Yeah, because we were clown the, show deluxe. Yeah, man. When, when we recorded, you were you were talking, talking about, about it. Yeah. yeah, it was going on while we were recording. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, what was it? it was October 12th, I think. Uh, when right it ended. Then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because we thought you was like, is it still going on? It's like, yeah, a couple more days, I think. Something yeah. like that. Now that was with Frenzy. But yeah, you and I were talking about a it. massive failure. Why was it a failure? Do you think it's just the public like seeing well, the hypocrisy of it all? Like you're taking all these planes. Well, streams. a lot of this shit comes from idealism. <laughs> Idealistic bullshit runs out. It has a time frame on it. And whenever I'll give you an example. Okay, we had Cargill and some other starts with the Z company that made these stupid masks for cattle for methane. Okay, that came out during COP26. All right, here's a little education. I don't want to go too far down this, but you can you can hear what I'm saying. India has 300 million cattle. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> United States has 94 million cattle. All right. Cargill's building them out. You think there's one fucking cow going to wear that mask in India? No. They're, okay. The cows are sacred in India. Exactly. They would not, they would not uh, <laughs> disgrace and desecrate their, their sacred cows. Right. And so you have stuff like that that's coming to the light. You know, with this carbon stuff, they're still going to accomplish their carbon narrative. It's going to be, you know, who do you want to participate or do you not? But by India saying, screw you, you know, we're, we're never, you're never touching our damn cows. That really helps out the, you know, helps us in the long run. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not only that, it's like India and then like Africa too. It's like, screw you. We're trying to pull ourselves out of poverty exactly. here. And yeah. Here. And it was, it was a lot of those countries. They had a lot of success. And every time, you know, they were following them around everywhere they went. They had the food summits in, you know, New York and they were there screaming loud and it was effective. So that's a good that was a good signal that I, I got out of, you know, all of this that just happened. Yeah. And and then on top of that, you have the, I think we mentioned this too. It's going to be interesting to see what happens as we transition from fall to winter. Look at Europe, look at the natural gas right. prices, yeah, that's energy where prices. You're, you're probably really close to that right now, aren't you? Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, you have people being like, what the hell we're paying? 36, 40 cents a kilowatt hour for, for energy. Yeah. Sometimes we can't even get it. Like what the hell's going on here? Well, that's what we're going to have to do because the energy is going to be correlation with the uh, fertilizer shortage. I mean, so follow that natural gas specifically is like a key ingredient Mm -hmm. to that, that fertilizer as well. So if you cut the production of the natural gas, you're going to cut the production of supplies downstream from that, Mm -hmm. that, that use uh, the, the, What's the word I'm looking for? The byproducts of yeah, natural the by- gas. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. The other chemicals that are associated or whatever they're called. <laughs> it's yeah. been a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, and this is where we start having insight, right? Okay. We got some insight going on right here, right? Mm-hmm. Now we as Bitcoiners are getting pretty damn smart, aren't we? I, th- I think so. I think we're getting pretty intelligent. We got to stay humble, but yeah. Well, and it, it does. It comes with complete humi- humility. You know, I'm really just a, I'm a dumbass most of the time, right? <laughs> but, you know, I put some intention into my gifts, you know? And so by doing that, we have to th- know that we're, uh, we're, we're very humble, but we're very empowered too right now. And I want everybody to feel that empowerment. 
and, you know, step up. It's time. Well, what I think especially empowers, I'll just speak for myself, Sure, uh, empowers me is the fact that we have truth on our side. Bitcoin is objective exactly. truth. You have that. And once you know, and once you see the truth, once you know, once you can like audit what's going on in the mm-hmm. Bitcoin network and see that it works and you know, all right, this is the truth of this protocol right. from there. You can go forward with the confidence like, all right, I can always anchor into this this truth ledger here. Yep. Uh, you, you know, that's an algorithm right there. You're going to find out all the truths and the lies about your life. And um, it just happens. And it's a positive thing. It's kind of crazy, but this is what's going on here. And so we have to accept that and say, you know, when I first got into Bitcoin, I was late, of course, but I fought it a little bit. You know, we, we all do. And if you're fighting it right now or you really not truly understand how it can really empower your life, look really deep into that. Visualize it in ways that you need to, that you maybe not have done before. You know, mental map this shit and understand that's where Bitcoin takes you. And it's going to give you that value and that freedom that you didn't see in front of you five years ago. Well, two things there. That's where Bitcoin takes you in five years ago. You get more empowered the more time you yes. stay into it, the more exposure. Again, really, it's crazy how we talk about all these concepts like low time preference and right. and taking a long-term view on things and the more exposure, consistent exposure you have to Bitcoin. And so you have a million sats. If you hold that million sats for five years, you're going to realize the benefits of that low time preference thinking, holding on to that. And then that compounds outside of your Bitcoin holdings. Yeah. in you know, low time preference in, I'll, I don't like to use too many things too often for too long, but I'll always use low time preference because it makes me reflect on my childhood. Uh Yeah. Why why specifically? (laughs) You know, my dad was an electrician. And so, uh, You know, having to be around an electrician whenever you're four, five, six, seven, eight years old, I got to go on the job. And so I was climbing attics. I was a little monkey and shit. <laughs> so, I mean, I was running wires and stuff. Awesome. <laughs> and so, but, you know, being an electrician, you have to do it right. You know, if you're running the wires and you're doing all that. Well, my dad taught me a lot of damn patience, you know, running wires and having to sit there and say, hey, needle nose pliers, you know. Uh, screwdriver, you know, pliers, whatever the hell it was. And you're having to be that technician at a very young age. That's a damn low time preference for that my core belief system that was built. And so I look at things different than most people. The one thing I did when I started focusing on low time, I was like, you grew up with that shit. Right. You know, that's what I told myself, hell yeah. And so me and LC, you know, we were talking and I think there's a lot of people out there. I think you have a lot of freaking low time preference in your, your uh, childhood. Uh, yeah. I mean, hmm. looking back, I mean, I grew up in Northeast Philly and we moved to Charleston. South well, Carolina. hell, that's low time preference right there to survive, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, the, the neighborhood when I, when I grew up was changing. It was weird. It was going through a very massive change. And today it's like, I don't want to say it's unrecognizable. I mean, I know how to get to where I grew up. Sure. But like church, St. Saint, Saint Martin's, um, they don't even say mass in English anymore. I think it's in Portuguese and uh, right. Korean, um, where it was all Irish Catholics when I grew up. Yeah. Um, then, well, just, I have a, I've had a couple of connections from Philly. I always had a lot of respect for you guys. <laughs> because serious. I mean, it just, it's something, Philly's different. Yeah, it is. It is. And people don't, you can't explain it. No, you just have to be there. Yeah, you have to, you just have to go feel it. 
Yeah, I'm headed back to Philly tomorrow. I'm excited. That's right. You're going for the holidays, right? Yes, yes. Good for you, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, see my family uh, and to see Philly. Yeah. Even though it's getting, luckily I'm getting in before the vaccine mandates mm-hmm. kick in on January 3rd, which is like the dumbest thing ever. Because on January 1st, uh, every year, New Year's Day, Philadelphia has a massive Mummer's Day parade. And mm-hmm. it's like a huge, massive party where you're, you wake up, you start drinking at 6 a.m. The streets are filled. The bars are filled, packed to the brims. Wow. Um, and that's intense. So that's going to happen on January 1st. And January 3rd, they're going to be like, we're going to protect you from COVID. You need these vax mandates. It's like clown world. I can't Exemplified. Even, yeah, I can't even speak to it anymore very much. I just I just walk around, you, you know, what what's good? What we're under right now, did you... Uh, did you hear Adam talk about that guy, uh, Matisse Dement or whatever? Yes, the yeah. mass psychosis. The mass psychosis that we got going on here is real. It's, it, its mass formation has been achieved. Yes, and it, but it's it's incredible to see more people talking about. It. There was so there was I wrote about mass psychosis in April of this year. Uh, there was a YouTube video. I forget what it was, but it it, it dove into like Freud and all the uh, psychologists that identified. Mass psychosis, uh, I think they did big studies on like how the Nazis like rose and people joined the Nazi movement. Right. Like there was this mass psychosis. Yeah. Banality of evil, all that stuff. Um, But it's like you you have uh, Professor uh, Matthias DeMitt talking about it. You have Peter McCullough talking about it on Joe Rogan earlier this week. Like Mm -hmm. more and more people are beginning to like get that signal out there. Like, hey, we're in the middle of this societal fog, the psychosis that everybody's taken a hold of. They don't want to admit that they were wrong. They don't want to admit that they believe people that were lying to them. Sure. But we need to shake them out. Yeah. And that's one thing about the video I wrote about in April. And I'll try to surface this bent. Uh, if you go to car, if you go to tftc.io slash tag slash mash mass dash psychosis, it should come up. Uh, the thing I love about the video that I posted in that bent is it has solutions. And the solution is ridicule the people in charge, mm-hmm, exactly. hold up a mirror to them, like use humor and logic and uh, combine those two to ridicule the people in charge. Yes. Like call them out. That's why it's great seeing all these videos of the politicians, Fauci, the doctors being like, you'll, that's 100% efficacy. You're going to be fully protected. And then they just like slowly but surely like uh like now it's a vaccine of the or um, what do they call it a pandemic of the vaccinated yeah the that came out saw that yeah so. um so we need to highlight this we need to get this in front of people like look these people have not been consistent they haven't been honest they've been consistently wrong like you are mm-hmm. in the middle of a fog like we need to pull you out of that well you 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 said the word logic. You know, part of this, what they're doing with this PSYOP, basically this mental PSYOP is there's this phase in there where they bring the the noise out there that people pay attention to. They're going to shake it up and it's really going to start screwing with some people that do bring logic to this whole thing that's going on right now. This is going to happen and people are going to have to understand you better bring your own damn logic to this to this argument, not somebody else's. Bring your core belief system because that is a phase that we're about to see with all of this. Yeah, you can't abdicate responsibility to these authority figures to think for you. That's right. the thing. Like, oh, if you get like, well, I'll tell you. I, before I got here, I parked over here. I had to do some, you know, catching up real quick. There's a parking lot there, and it says uh, free testing. Yeah, is over there. Yeah, okay. yeah, right over there. Yeah, is a free testing unit. There was probably six to seven to eight cars in there. 
Guess probably probably going home for the holidays or something like that. Something was going on because they all parked with their hazards on. They all there was a Mercedes, a Porsche, an Audi, and a Tesla. So I don't know what that means, but I don't know. That seems like very fucking fiat to me. Oh yeah. You know, and that's that says a lot what I just saw over there. That, you know, these people, there's something out there that they're grasping at now because they're lining up during the holidays to go get a freaking something shoved up their nose right now. <laughs> it's insane. It is insane. It's uh, they don't, you know, and I'm coming from, you know, the panhandle and, you know, of course, Austin is my home in so many ways, but <clears throat> this is weird. And, uh, you know, I don't see it as bad up there in the panhandle, but I just sat there and I just, I took a picture. I'll post it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is what's going on and people need to take a step back. And if you're on the fence, once again, go to a small town, get out. There's something going on out there that's not participating in this mass formation hysteria in hypnosis. Oh, like going to Cooper's and Yano. It's just yes. like, I'm going Yano now. I'm going to trust the, <laughs> the true Texan here. Uh, it, it was like, yeah, it was like, there was nothing. Nothing. It was like everybody just with their families, eating barbecue. Uh -huh. It seemed like the process of actually like getting the meat and going to that, that line to get your sides. Like, right. It seems like it's been a process that's been perfected for many, many decades. Let's and, do this right now, okay? This is a challenge to everybody out there. We're going to look at Yano. Y'all can call it Lano or Lano. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but let's look at Lano, okay? Now let's look at Cooper's. Everybody go there and do some research. Go down with this and let's highlight it. Let's bring it into the discussion with Marty and I. And this is what we need to start doing. There's, a, you know, there's right there, there's a signal that we can build. Hey, you guys out in Austin, go over here to Lano. Go into Cooper's. Hey, Cooper's, do you take Bitcoin? Yeah. Here we go. We're off. And there we go. We're talking about Oshin. We're talking about the Texas Beef Initiative. No, it was hilarious getting to the front of the line. The Bitcoiner I was with, he's been going to Cooper's original for years. Um, makes at least one annual pilgrimage, probably more from what I understand for decades. He's an right. Austin native. And he got to the front of the line to pay. He was like, dude, inflation's crazy. Like it's never this expensive. No, it's it's out of control. And uh, I, I, I think I had a, a half a pound of brisket, you know, I was off the road. I didn't want to gorge, but I think it was 25 bucks for a half a pound of brisket. So 50 that a is pound. insane. Yeah. And it's not going to go away, guys. So how do we work around this? Well, you get to your damn rancher, somebody that can sell you that beef and you do it more than just a couple of steaks. You got to plan it here. What you got to do? Low time preference, your food choices. Start doing it now. You'll learn how we're going to bring a lot of this information. I, I'm I've been in talks with uh, Gourmet Caveman. Have you seen him? No. You got go check his shit out. He's he knows what the hell he's doing. It's good shit. Oh yeah, he know he 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 knows fire. You know he knows <laughs> he knows colds. Well, that's one thing I'm trying to figure out with that thing over there. And I'm sorry I didn't dig a hole for the yeah, for the man. pit, but I've been trying to do open fire cooking more on yeah. the cast iron. Well, he's bringing that. It's and perfecting the heat is the hardest it part. It is. It really is. Well, guess what? I found your guy. Okay. So he's going to be into this discussion with the Texas Beef Initiative, which I'm going to start calling the Beef Initiative from here on out. I think it's time oh, yeah. and just make it that. I got everybody's attention with Texas. Everybody goes, yeah, you're a fucking Texas. Shut up. <laughs> 
<laughs> but now we can bring everybody, you know, into the discussion. Yeah. So, um, well, it's important to bring in everybody. To, I mean, well, I went out, <clears throat> you look at this and every, there's been so many people from different states saying, Hey, how can I help? How can I help? And so this is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to bring, you know, the beacon and you can, you know, point your compass in this direction and come help. And it'll be cool. It'll be fun. Actually, it's going to be fun crowdsourcing our, where we are in the Bitcoin world with our knowledge when it comes to beef. Yeah. This is where we're going. And this is going to be the experiment. This is the production. This is whatever you want to freaking call it. But we're going to collaborate on this and we're going to find who, who's telling the truth and who's, who's bullshitting. And, you know, all of us are going to have to come to that with our knowledge because we've had these little moments within Bitcoin, Twitter, as far as the carnivore, all that kind of stuff. Well, everybody's invited to this. And so bring value <laughs> and bring some truth. Well, especially if you crowdsource it too, because there's examples of apps like this working. Like the one I can't stop thinking about is Barcel Sports, one uh -huh. white pizza review. Like they have, sure. they allow people to download the app, stoolies download the app, and then they go and they rate pizza. And yep. So like they, they find small little pizza shops and they say, hey, here's a good pizza shop. Here's what I thought about it. And you can do that with beef and ranchers as well. Well, right? this is where we're going and we're going to do it as decentralized as we can, you know, with the apps and everything. You know, we're, we're in discovery, you know, with all this and we're all moving forward very fast. But I want everybody to picture what is the base layer value of uh, the beef industry right now? What is it? Well, it's the land, right? Okay, well, what's the new base layer of all that going to be? What's going to set on top of that? And it's going to happen, and we're going to start making that discussion. Beef and Bitcoin are going to be the only way that beef exists in the long run. We're talking in the long run. It is going to be the base layer value of beef moving forward if you want to play in this game. And that's where we got to get people to start understanding where we're coming from this. It's going to come with education up front. And then it's going to come with basically adoption, you know, then with adoption, you get integration. And so this is where we are right now. This is the roadmap for everybody because we're going to make Bitcoin the base layer value of beef in the United States and the world. And that's our goal. And we can do this. And once we get these cattle ranchers and start understanding what Bitcoin is and they do some, have some luck transactional, that's where we're getting right now. We're doing some service providing right now, getting people up to speed. And once that happens and they understand how much they can leverage just on a transactional layer, then they're going to start thinking about, I need to put some stuff into Bitcoin. And that stuff is my cattle, the value of my cattle and the value of my land. That's coming. And uh, those ranchers that get on board right now, they're going to be way ahead of a lot of people that's going to flood that market. And how have the conversations with these ranchers been going? How receptive are they? To Excellent. I mean, I saw firsthand with uh, Michael Fromoshi at KNC, mm -hmm. we onboarded coal right. um, to Bitcoin there. I paid for a brisket in Bitcoin. Um, he told me about that. Is what is what is that experience like outside KNC for you personally? Personally, you know, I've got people up in the panhandle that I'm talking to, a couple of people. Um, they're very receptive. Justin, I've had him on my uh, podcast a couple of times. I've had some really good discussions with people in Colorado, Tennessee, Florida, uh, Wyoming, uh, California. So people are really... I've got a couple of them that are really cheerleading it on saying, hell yeah, I want to come to the conversation. <laughs> and so they're, they're cool. The, you know, the Bitcoin knowledge is, 
is where I think it is and it's not much, but that's okay because we're going to, we're going to learn about them first. You know, we're going to get, we're just not going to bull rush them with Bitcoin. They've lasted this long, how they do things. We're going to respect that first. We're going to get to be friends with them. And then we're going to say, we've got a solution for you. Let's start talking about this and how we can basically integrate it into what you've got going and or make it a little bit better overall for maybe it's shipping, maybe it's distribution. Let's talk about it. Let's bring it into the Bitcoin discussion and we'll start creating some algorithms. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of lessons for Bitcoiners to learn from ranchers, right? I mean, their, oh my their gosh. whole life is low tide preference. So. Well, that's, it's it. I mean, it, it, that's why it's so romantic. It is, it is a ball busting. It's not a profession. It's a way of life, a true survival mechanism that has existed for a very long time. And that's all it is, is low time preference. <laughs> I have, I want, I'll tell you low time preference from a cowboy, okay? From a true Texan. Well, he ended up, he's a buddy of mine that I grew up with. And uh, I won't say who he is. He don't like people to know who he is. <laughs> but he's, he's kind of a badass. But he, uh, you know, he was an elk hunter and uh, for many, many years. And then right when we graduated high school, he moved to the mountains. Mm -hmm. His ass lived in those mountains for six months. And he, he knew some skill and stuff, but he didn't come off that damn mountain for six months. You do something like that, you've, you know, with passion, you got some low time preference, right? And so, you know, all these years later, you know, I went on, I used to elk hunt with him mm -hmm. and we'd go on these long pack trips, elk hunting up in the Valle of Vidal in New Mexico. And so we would go on these uh, big uh, pack outs and you'd go for about three weeks, you know, you'd go find your camp and all that. That's low time preference hauling shit in with mules and, you know, and horse with nothing else. These guys could basically, they could uh, pick their menu and they'd come from Philadelphia and they, you know, it was big money and stuff. And they would come in, they want lobster, they want prime rib, they want anything they want. They got it. Lobster on a mountain? Hell yeah. We <laughs> did that shit for them. And so they come up to the mountains and they're there for a week. They don't want to go fucking home. But, you know, it's hilarious because it is, it's a form of low time preference type of lifestyle that is a luxury if you look at it the right way. And once again, we're going back to low time preference, but there's something here, guys, that you need to pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, that, like, it is imperative that you pay attention to it. Again, the, the ability. We're out of room, okay? It's, we're out of time. Random, random rent seeking, it doesn't work anymore. It will work for many. They, they will be totally happy. The ones over here getting the rapid test, they're going to be fine. Let them have it. Let them have it. Don't argue the noise anymore. It's time to take action and just say, I'm changing. You know, if you have the means or whatever, if you don't have the means, but if you're looking to move, you know, whatever, everybody's relocating right now, right? Yeah. A lot of people are. Well, do what you can, but get back to this small, small town. Seriously, if you can't come to Austin, you know, we need everybody in Austin, we do, but there is so much cool stuff going on. And we've really got to uh, bring that with you know, the, the discussion of food intelligence and how small communities feed themselves much better than cities do. Yes. They really do. Cooper's original barbecue is better than anything I've ever tasted. And that is a <laughs> picturesque small town right there. Yeah, it is. And they're, they're just all over. I mean, I took the back roads yesterday. You know, I didn't have much service and I was just, you know, 
just going, basically po- pointing in the right direction. And there's so many small, you know, communities out there that have been there the whole time and that I saw die whenever I was, you know, a teenager that brought me to Austin in the first place. And people keep on saying Citadel, Citadel. well, your Citadels are already there. You're just going to have to facelift them. Yeah. I'm serious. That's what I'm going to do in Canyon, Texas. You know, it's, it's, it's Randall County. And it's, it's, you know, it's got a lot of heritage to it. Well, I'm going to bring Bitcoin to the whole town of Canyon, Texas. What's the facelift look like to you? I think what you start, because it has, it has a university there, okay? Mm-hmm. And so the university is the Texas A&M. It's West Texas A&M, basically. So you have some smart people there. You have basically the educational system in the state of Texas pretty embedded there from veterinary to agriculture to business to legal. It's there. That's kind of how I grew up. I was close to that, but I was close to the country too. So within Canyon, Texas, what I see is the facelift is going to be those students that come in that start thinking about Bitcoin. They start asking those questions to those professors and then also they have a you know pretty cool county square, has a coffee shop, has some restaurants and stuff and start there going to a steakhouse they have. I won't call them out yet because I haven't talked to them, but <laughs> you know, go in there and say, hey, do you, uh, do you sell local beef for your steaks? And say, well, I got a local producer here. You need to start talking to him. Are you willing to do this? And if they're not willing to come along with beef and Bitcoin, then what I'll do is I'll find somebody that wants to open up a burger joint. And what we'll do is we'll serve local beef hamburgers and that's it. And it'll be the most successful burger joint in Canyon, Texas. So that's where we're going with all of this. If you don't want to participate right now, that's okay. You'll come along and we're going to make it happen. Yeah. And that's why Canyon is so good because it does have the university there. It's just not people that are so set in their ways. It does have a transition. It's a very, very, very small Austin many, many years ago. Okay. So that's what people need to kind of scope out for these places. That's how I see this becoming adoption. So. Yeah. No, and I'm just thinking back to the comment you made earlier. It was like earlier in your life, like is there low time preference things and talking about like the college students getting ingrained with the community. I think that's very important, especially like you're, when I was a student, in Chicago, like I tried to get ingrained in the community there with the lacrosse program I, I, I worked with throughout, right. throughout my time in college. And going back to like high school, uh, we, were, we, we had to do hundreds of hours of community service to graduate. And so getting mm-hmm. ingrained in like the North Philly community and all that. Right. And I think that's low time preferences, like giving back um, and building, like cleaning up a neighborhood, and realizing <laughs> that that has benefits for people beyond yourself. Well, there's a group that I'm I'm reaching out to and I've already, I know about them right now from Justin, my local producer, and it's called the Ogallala Commons. And what their, one of their missions is, is to build small communities and they're getting grants. They're doing a lot of things that us Bitcoiners are thinking about and talking about, but they're already doing it. And they just did a town out there in Panhandle called Kittiquay. And they uh, got some donations and they started doing stuff for the community. And so they have a lot of young people that are going through agricultural schools all the way from Nebraska, all the way down to Texas. And they're really trying to get them on a mission to get back to the small communities. So it's already happening. So let's bring them into our discussion. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, we it, have to. It creates a flywheel. Yes, right? it really does. Like, in, in tangential to this discussion too is Strong Towns. Have you read the book Strong Towns? I haven't. I, somebody told me about the the other day. I have not read you, it. You have to read it. The I algorithm's going off right now. It's, right. It's <laughs> sending you, you signals. There like, you go. But that's like, if you're going to build small communities, Chuck Marone, who wrote Strong Towns and runs the Strong Towns community. They have a podcast as well. Highly recommend you freaks go check it out. But he literally talks about city design and designing a city, a walkable city, a walkable town, um, how you should set up the the economic zone mm-hmm. uh, and how you should fine tune for revenue per square foot. Right. Um, so one of the beautiful parts of the book is that he really highlights that even in these small towns, people assume that if you get like a Walmart uh, in the town, it's good because they're going to provide jobs, but they're low paying jobs. And actually when you break down the revenue that goes back to the community per square foot in a Walmart compared to like a, a small little coffee shop, it is leaps and bounds the worse. Than- you know, that's an intelligence right there, people. That, that, that says a lot. And now you start looking at things and that's, that's valuable information, what you just said. And so, you know, that's what we have to start bringing with this algorithm. We really started this discussion. I think I can have some luck with that in Canyon. That's what I'm looking at. It's it's kind of it's not a small town. It's not a big town. It's ten thousand. I don't know what a small big town is anymore. I drive from you know through them that are less than a thousand people anymore. So, you know, bringing that you know into the discussion. That's you know I think we can do it in Canyon. Yeah, we can do it all over the place. We can. We can. Somebody's going to do it in Yano now. I, you watch. You watch. Somebody's going to do this. Does Yano need help, do you think? I thought I, it was pretty strong. No, it's strong, you know, as far as everything. But let's bring, you know, let's let's go orange pill Yano completely. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they already have the infrastructure built there, of course. But what they need that base layer that's coming. Yeah, like at the fair in uh-huh. early January. Think about that. Paying sats for the cattle would be exactly. great. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And so that, you know, I'm looking at the Professional Rodeo Association now, too. And looking at, a lot of people don't understand that industry. You know, it's not everybody enjoys a rodeo. And it's not like I go to them all the time, but I definitely love them. They they just had the, the International Ranch Rodeo up in Amarillo. It's pretty cool. You, it's the real ranchers that come and do a rodeo. But if you look at the professional, you know, rodeo association and you have everybody that comes along with that, with the industries, with uh, everything that we hate and then we love within agriculture in this type of lifestyle, it is a machine. I tell you, billions of dollars go through from horses to beef to leather to everything. Rope. Well, ro- I mean, yeah, ropes, areas, my favorite. You know, you got area boots. You know, you have, you just have everything that follows that industry, right? And so we've got to start doing some discussions with them. And I'm having some talks right now of maybe doing a sponsorship through one, because I, bro- I wrote that story, we need more cowgirls in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Jump into that. Why do we need more cowgirls in Bitcoin? Well, you ever known a real cowgirl? I don't think so. She's got some grit to her, man, mm-hmm. but she's got a little softness to her too. And But she, she'll work her ass off. You, you, you ever known a real cowgirl? They get up before the sun comes up. You know what? They have a very good relationship with that horse. <laughs> and they have some freaking respect for that horse, and that horse loves them. Okay, they know how to have a relationship. For that's another reason. You know, we need more cowgirls in Bitcoin because we need people that know, need to know, and need to learn how to have relationships. Because they they go up to a cowgirl will go up to you and look you in the eye. She'll figure you out pretty quick. Yeah. And a lot of guys are pretty timid about that shit. Well, 
that's one thing society's losing. Is that's actually a pet peeve of mine when like people don't look me in the eyes when exactly. we're talking to each other. Hell but yeah. it's like pervasive. And I try, I make it a point too. Like, yes. You're very good at it. I've eyes. noticed that. Uh-huh. Yes. But you know, with that, with me saying that about cowgirls, I mean, they're intelligent. They have to train that horse. People don't have a clue what goes into that training of a barrel racing horse. Mm-hmm. It is fascinating. The movements and everything that goes through that. They're low time preference. That's why. Yeah. I there mean, you have it. When we went out to KNC Ranch, I mean, Cole's, uh-huh. uh, he's a professional rodeo. Yeah, he, uh, he's a team roper. roper. Yes. A roper. And he was explaining that uh, process. And it's like, holy shit. Like, you're working with a teammate. Mm-hmm. And you got to rope the legs at the same time. And Yeah. that What, what Cole does is fascinating. That stuff is hard. <laughs> you want to go watch that for a day? You've, you've been entertained. And he's really good at it too, right? Yeah, he just got finished in Vegas. He didn't, I, I talked to him yesterday. He didn't even tell me how he did. And that's what cowboys do. They don't brag about their shit. So I don't know how well he did, but he got to Vegas. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> that's where you want to end up. Yeah. Like he was telling me that uh, that was like the stuff you see on C- CBS on Sunday sometimes mm-hmm. when they had the radio stuff. Yeah. Going on. Yeah. You, you know, and I, and I talked to Cole. I said, I want to bring in, you know, this discussion into professional rodeo. And, and he's him and the Han and stuff. And he said, well, you know, I said, I don't want to start with the Cowboys. They're assholes. I want to, <laughs> <laughs> I want to start with the Cowgirls because don't trust a Cowboy. No, not, not unless you know him. It yeah. takes time. There's a lot of testing that goes on with that. What are, what are the types of tests that you have to go through? Well, you got to look them in the eye for one. Yeah. You know, and they, they're going to find your weakness really fast mm-hmm. and they'll exploit it in ways that you don't even have a freaking clue. Yeah. And they're good. They're, they're very uh, sneaky. And so they'll, they'll, they'll figure out pretty quick because you come, you know, I'm kind of punchy, you know, you know, with the way I dress and everything. If I get in that wrong car, <laughs> uh, crowd of guys that have been out freaking cowboying for a year and I, I walk up to them, they're going to check me out saying, oh, they're going to know exactly that I'm not out there for a year doing this cowboy shit. And so they're going to test me after that, you know, and it's just parts of the conversation of, you know, what they're in right now. So come at you with like, you poser. Well, somewhat like that, but they're going to see how tough you are. It, it, it is a respect thing. And if you ain't got balls on you, they're going to figure it out. And, yeah. and you're going to feel like a, a dumbass. Yeah. And so that's part of it. You know, there is a learning curve there. And I think you get that in all kinds of cultures. Mm-hmm. But to do it with, a, you know, I, where I grew up, I had a, con- when I was talking to Cole last night, and we were talking about being tough and, you know, because Cole's pretty tough what he does. He's very, very talented in everything that he's doing, being a rancher, a professional rodeo, all that kind of stuff, banker. And so, you know, he has to deal with a lot of bullshit. And I said, you know, the way we grew up, if there was a fight, those two guys knew that one of them was about to get hurt. I mean, mm-hmm. and it was like that. Well, if you grow up like that, then you, you become civilized. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, like me. me, of course, you know, civilized like me, you, that con- that has something. Yeah. And so that's why I like a cowgirl because she'll make sure that that's the type of person she's hanging out with. Yeah. I think you so like what ca- does that do to us? That makes us step it up a little bit, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. I feel like cowgirls and uh, Philly girls are very similar. Philly, they, they are. There's they a lot are. of fighting in Philly when you grow up. <laughs> yes. Uh, the town it has a reputation Man, for a that, reason. That's something you can go down on a rabbit hole on that one right there. You just said it's for the Philly girls. Yeah. Yes. Oh, 
I remember double dutching on the block with the Philly girls growing up. You, wow. don't, you don't want to fuck with them. <laughs> exactly. Man, I wish we had that video. Uh, <laughs> and I'm having flashbacks. Yeah, we used to go to the, the top of Rosalie Street. Were you good? No, I was. I could do it. Yeah. Which, uh, but those girls could do it. Yes. That yeah. is a trip. Yeah. If you if you guys don't know what that is, look it up. Yeah, and they're not afraid to punch you either. So no. Yeah. That's their space. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. The. Um, yeah. God, now I'm having childhood flashbacks. Talk about proof of work. Yeah. Well, then we moved. It was funny. Like as a kid, we'll get into my childhood here. Then we moved to South Carolina and that was a culture shock. Like, oh, they beat the water out of us. Mm -hmm. I don't say water anymore because we moved to South Carolina. They're right. like, what the hell are you saying? Yeah. Had to begin Change saying, that. yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And it was like very like being 10 years old and like being thrust. And I was like, fuck this. Like, yeah. uh, like I like cursing. I like doing whatever I want. And you get acclimated and then you get used to that lifestyle. There's some low time preference stuff. In that low country living, like we were outside all the time, building tree houses. We mm -hmm. had like two tree houses that we built that had like Morse code lines between them. We that is like, awesome. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Um, paintballing, built go karts, skateboarding, all that stuff. Like, man, that is that's a lot like how I, I experienced the same stuff, just in a different way. Yeah, yeah, and it's so important, man. It is so important, right? And that's what like now the two year old son almost. Like thinking, okay, all right, how do I set him up to like, mm -hmm. have that? Because that's what a childhood should be. You're just out. You're fucking with shit. Mm -hmm. You're fishing, climbing trees, building zip lines, building go-karts. I was like, yeah, we were messing with motors at like 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, I rebuilt my first dirt bike. I think I was 12, you know, yeah. and I'd been you know riding horses ever since I was younger than that. I learned how to ski when I was, I don't remember learning how to ski. <laughs> Seriously, it was just there. And so, cause we were four hours, you know, four hours from the mountains. And so, I mean, I knew how to break down an engine. You know, I know, I, I know how to saddle a horse, just all kinds of stuff that is just so freaking extremely valuable. And it all comes from low time preference. Yeah. And, and our kids doing that today in some parts, I mean, Mm -hmm. A lot of parts of the world they are, but they are. It's it's very you know it's just scattered. I mean it really is. But if you get out into the world and get away from the city, yes, people are still doing it. But one thing that they're they're getting close to doing is getting trapped in that freaking meta, and that meta is going to suck for a lot of people that are parents. And there's already I was talking to my son, and he's 17. He gives me some pretty good feedback. And it is already people saying that's all I do all day long anymore when I'm not at school as I'm in augmented reality. That stuff is going to come hard at people. Yeah. And the parents that, you know, especially small communities, they're not going to know how to battle that shit. And yeah. they're going they're going to be, you know, they're going to be defeated in ways that they don't understand yet. You know, there's, right. There's there's like many parts of this too. There's like the helicopter parent aspect of mm -hmm. it where we sure. were like when we were in South Carolina it was like go outside come back in eight hours like don't care where you are right no cell phones and nothing 10 11 12s we would run we our plantation had like back bays like we'd run to the back bays and they had little islands and we get slingshots and like hit the gators and yeah we, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> like, yeah, but like yeah my her parents that's what it was like too in northeast Philly it was just like go out and my dad would go on our stoop and he'd give a whistle at dinner time. We could be three blocks away. We'd hear it and we'd just run home. And mm -hmm. that doesn't exist anymore. I was actually happy. Uh, I shouldn't say that. It does exist, but it's very rare. I was very happy. We got dinner uh, with, a, with a neighbor here uh, probably about a month ago. 
and uh, they had a friend over and the friend left, but her 11 year old son stayed behind. He was like, yeah, you can walk home by yourself. Like, like mm-hmm. five, 10 blocks away, which is like, all right, that's, that's good to see. That's what you want to see people comfortable with just allowing their kids to walk home. Which, yeah. That's it. That's extremely important. That's exactly, I, that's how I was raised. And, you know, and I, in Canyon, Texas, you can probably do that. Yeah. But I, that's my father whistled. That's how he got us home, you know, yeah. and everything. And we were gone, you know, sun up to sundown and it was okay. It really was okay. And there's a lot of places that are still like that. So, you know, and, and why are we not talking about that more? How do we get there? Well, you get there with your food. And that's what I'm going to keep on telling people. Forget the noise. Look at the food. How can you get that best food? You know, you found K&C cattle. You have a lot of choices. You can go to Yano. You know, you got so much. Well, people, we have to, you know, we have to follow the food right now. Yeah. Well, that's that's something that shocked me when I was in Chicago doing the inner city lacrosse program. Is that like their food options are shit, right? Like it's that, horrible. You get corn, high fructose corn syrup, sugary drinks, mm-hmm. honey buns. That's what you eat. And that fucks with your brain. And that probably leads you to like a stase of like comatose where it's just like easier to go into the metaverse. And well, that's what we're, that's exactly the plan right now. I mean, you know, I, before, you know, I talked about, you know, fa- you know, false value after the, the loss of the value of the dollar. They're creating a whole new fake commodity food supply stacked on what we just got through that was already fake. This is where this is going and people are going to eat it. And there are people, somebody, I can't remember a couple of days ago, say, well, nobody likes those fake meat burgers or whatever. Man, that's, that's, the, that's the distraction in a lot of ways. Right now, it, that's not how it's going to be adopted and integrated into our food. It's going to be because your kids are eating pizza pockets and they're eating that stupid freaking chicken and stuff from Tyson. And that stuff is dangerous for them because it's going to lead down a path that they are not equipped and you're not educating them because you're giving it to them. And that's kind of harsh, but it's the truth. You need to get your kids off that crap and you need to do it yourself. Well, there's a solution and it's go back to a protein, animal protein freaking diet. It's not that hard. And so what we have to do is build those on ramps. We understand that we have to help people get there. Yeah. That's uh we discussed this last time you were here, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> not in the context of my son, but yeah, every morning we make up bacon and eggs. Yes. And some fruit. Yeah. That's it. And he'll never go any, any, any different than that. He loves you, bacon. Just, just because of bacon, you created a legacy in your son that he doesn't understand yet. But you think about that and you trace that, that memory path that he's going to have and how he's going to base dis- decisions based on animal protein just alone. He'll get to that conversation with himself on down the road. But one thing he's going to do, he's going to pursue that experience because it's part of his core belief system. So that's how we build this legacy. This is how we look at it from generations every decade, right? That we talked about a decade. Well, you're, you're on a mission and you're going to bring that animal protein into the discussion. Yeah. And again, going back to low time preference, there's nothing yes. better than you put the bacon on the skillet, you let it heat up before you turn it, and you turn it to the coffee machine, you 
grind your beans, yes. put the coffee in, you get the bacon smell rising, the coffee mixing with it. Mm-hmm. You can hear your son playing in the background. And then he knows like after the smell hits a certain crescendo, it's like, all right, it's time for bacon. Man, you just, you just painted a picture, you know, you really did. And that's what we have to do is paint pictures. Yeah. This is where we bring in this renaissance of thought, you know, we're going to be okay, but we have to be charging hard right now. I talk, I think it was, I said counterpunch last time. Mm-hmm. Let's counterpunch this shit. Let's have fun doing it because we're okay. We, we, we're not opted in. Some people are, but it's not the end of things. We have laser hodl. So, <laughs> <laughs> we do. man, I'm going deep into him. I've kind of always watched him, but I'm going to go deep into his knowledge. Yeah. And I'm going to listen to what the hell he says. So you guys are trying to, you know, I don't know, kind of tap dance around this, get into laser hodl and what he's, what he's talking about mm-hmm. and take it for basically something that can be a compass. Yes, there's a lot of signal there. There really is. And he's, he's very level-headed. He knows what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. And he's a, he, he shows proof of work all the time. Yeah, the, uh, the 10 steps to detach ourselves yeah. from the mass psychosis is uh, mm-hmm. very actionable advice. It is. And, you know, how he's doing his little algorithm with, uh, you know, get on zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are going to start, what is that? What is that? What is that? Then they're going to go, oh, there's a step to this. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to freaking do this because AT&T just charged me an extra hundred bucks. That's what I dealt with this morning. You know how bad I want to get on freaking net zero right now? (laughs) (laughs) What do they charge you an extra hundred bucks for data usage? No, it's just because it's freaking AT&T, man. It's because it's telecommunications. They they, They basically demolish their bills systems and they're, you know, they're, the way they get your money is corrupt as all get out. And so, you know, I was thinking about, cause I was on driving in and half of my, you know, drive was pleasant as shit, but then the other half was because they're <laughs> charging my account. So I said, I got to take care of this now. But what I admit, what first came to thought was laser and get on zero. Cause I'm pretty close. I mean, I don't have much debt. I don't have much of anything. So, but that's cool that I thought of laser saying, get on zero. Now I'm going to put in the proof of work to get there. And I'm going to be okay because I I got respect for that guy and he's doing it. It can be done. And that's how I have to leave with the beef initiative saying, hey guys, just point your compass over here. Just pay attention. Don't rush this shit. This Mm -hmm. is low time preference as well. You know, no rent seeking here. You know, you've got to participate as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will join in with that. I've got some people that I'm talking to right now besides the gourmet cave, uh, caveman, and they're freaking pretty smart, man, from uh, engineers that mm-hmm. do water. You know, we need that discussion as far as people trying to get land in Texas. He's in Texas. He came from California, and he, he works, and he, he knows the regulations. And so for water tanks, if you have land, that's very important. Yeah. And so another guy I brought in is, you know, he he's doing a— um, skincare products with lard. And so he's- <laughs> with lard? Yes. He's basically learning how to do animal fat and making a skincare product out of it. He's out of Tennessee. So there's a lot of intelligence already coming in and we're just going to trap it and share it with everybody. Hell yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, I've already, lasers introduced me like matrix and elements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I've incorporated that. And like, that's what we're using for our communication with TFTC and other businesses I'm a part of like, trying to get off Google. I've got my embassy uh, 
OS running in there from Start9 Labs. I'm awesome. connecting to it from Tor here uh, in my little workstation. It's, it's, and Matt says this a lot, Matt O'Dell, um, the way he describes it, it's just one little thing at a time. Yeah. You don't have to get overwhelmed and try to do it all at once. Just do one thing once a day, once a week, whatever pace you want to work at. Uh, mm-hmm. It will have a difference. It it will. And it it reminds me, I I sent out a tweet this week and maybe some people will relate to this. Some people might laugh, but we all had CB radios. I started driving when I was 15 years old. Okay. You know, well, I was driving before that, but that's when I got my license (laughs) in the state of Texas, 15 year old driving a truck and back roads. That's funny. But, uh, you know, what we all had CB radios. Well, we always knew what was going on in that County. You know, you had friends spread out. And so, you could tag each other. You built these nodes, okay? And where your communication structure, well, you know, that's what we're doing. That's what everybody, that's what you just said you're doing. You're building these little nodes of communication structures that's going to work. And it's it's something that's it's cool. It's why I brought, brought up Laser because you can follow him and f- figure out how to do it, you know, small stuff. It. Yeah, and this actually brings me back to the thing you said earlier like when you were saying like the Cowboys will look you up and down and be like, you haven't been Cowboying for a year, but we're essentially, again, stay humble, but digital Cowboys. Here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's what we have to be. We have to be that. I mean, we have, there's no answer, there's no way around this. And you have to bring that spirit to it. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up, you know, when I was younger with a bunch of cyberpunks and stuff. Yeah, I, I used to tell people that a punk rocker and a cowboy are the same damn thing. They just wear different clothes because they have the same mentality. If you know a true punk rocker and a true cowboy, they're the exact same person. Yeah. If you dig down deep into them. No, yeah. I've often described Bitcoin as punk rock. Yeah, I, it really is. My, my dad was a huge punk rock fan. We grew up listening to Oh, I bet you were, to you were blessed. <laughs> yeah. Tell me one, tell me one. I mean, he's a big Clash fan. Right. Um, so like the original punk band. Yeah. We listened to a lot of them. Um, they were the, yeah, they were just something else. <laughs> yeah. Black Flag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, so you grew up with social distortion and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, that's what we got to do. We got to bring some punk rock into some cowboy into some Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, that, and that, that's just not a freaking cliche here. Focus on what I just said. Bring some punk rock, bring some cowboy into Bitcoin. Some cavalier nature. Into yeah. Let's, you can do it. It's open source. You can. Yes, you, you can. can. come out here and create something that gives the middle finger to the establishment. There's nothing they can do about it. Well, like, we have to now. And it's, it's it, we're already on the, you know, we're, we've, we're on the runway. It's taking off. So, you know, that's what we're going to, we're all going to work and do this together in that way. So as far as, I want to know when the discussion of cattle, energy, mining all come together, especially here in Texas. Because a lot of these people that are in the mining and the natural gas and everything, they're ranchers too. Yeah. I don't know when this is going to happen, but I start, I'm starting to see it a little bit. Oh, it's happening. You know, and that's going to be fun to watch. And it's not just Texas, it's happening. No, that's true. That's true. Like there's places in the country where you have people literally have farms mm-hmm. uh, and on their farm is an abandoned gas well they don't know what to do with. They have to, right. pay, they have to pay a land lease on it um, to keep access to the minerals year in and year out. Um, so they pay that just in case they're able to do something with it. But now, yeah, you can use that abandoned well, plug in a generator, mm-hmm. connect miners to that generator. You raise some cattle on your land. You mine some Bitcoin on your land. You start accepting Bitcoin for your cattle and you have a whole 
enclosed loop system uh, of your ranch. You're using the energy on on your uh, property to create digital money. You're using that digital money and accepting that digital money for your beef protein, and you're able to reinvest it and stay very closed loop. That's going to be something else, isn't it? Yeah. Do people understand what you just said? I mean, this is going to be pretty powerful. Hey, you literally take the energy under the ground that yes. you live on. Yeah. And you do proof of work to turn it into money mm -hmm. uh, that cannot be fucked with. And then you can use that money that cannot be fucked with to make your land better, to make your cattle better, to do all of that. Like, and to do everything that goes on top of every layer of what you just said. Yeah. And because that's how you have to think. I think I was, it was yesterday, I was on Simply Bitcoin. And, you know, Sailor brought up something, you know, a while back. I don't know how long it's been. But, you know, he said, owning Bitcoin is like owning four blocks in Manhattan before it was Manhattan. We all understand, mostly understand what that means. Well, there's a lot of things going on right now that basically is making that rock turn into Manhattan. And you need to think of it, like I say, you need to visualize this stuff. And building something like that, what you just kind of spelled out with energy taken from the earth, proof of work, that's going to be a base layer of value that's going to be, that's going to spread so fast and it's going to be so powerful that I think this is where we're going to have to up our understanding of the possibilities and how we're going to leverage this. Yeah. And then... For the Bitcoin network too, that particular model mm -hmm. of using all these abandoned wells on farmer's land that people know not to fuck with, right. particularly in these communities, you have like Bitcoin moonshining going on. Like we're, <laughs> yeah. most people won't even know that there's Bitcoin mining going on on a lot of this land. So they even wanted to attack Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. It's not like the 300 megawatt windstone facility where they can just show up and like turn it off. Sure. You're going to have to go deep into the woods and find all this shit. Well, and you can do that in... By doing that and, you know, making it part of the earth, whatever, you know, just embedding it. Now think about that as far as you, you have a group of Bitcoiners that want to do something like a subscription service with beef. Guess what? We're going to do that. We're going to have that discussion at least. What do we do when we do that? Well, we follow the best heritage, the best processes, everything. And we bring that into a subscription model that nobody even freaking knows about. You want to talk about protecting your food, we'll be able to do that. And that's where we don't have to participate in this noise out here in this basically corruption of our nutrition that they're going to go through. And I am so freaking confident that we're going to make this happen, that it's, it's pretty fun to, to talk about it, but it's fun to start doing it. Yeah. Imagine how much is going to simplify things too. Like I just had the vision of the supermarket hop in my mind. It's just right. like almost some hypnotic array of colors and aisles. It's like a maze with, it's like a fun house. It's yeah. like you go in and it's got all these colors. You got chips, pasta, baking, whatever. I didn't even simplify it. It's like eggs, bacon, beef, Whoa. maybe some spinach, stuff like that. Like, it's just like the optionality that you're given at the supermarket. Imagine you're just able to simplify that. Some people say optionality is good. It can be in some instances, but again, time preference. You want to spend your time thinking about all the food you're going to eat or you want to simplify it and just know that, hey, this is what I need. Well, and then you say optionality and I say, you know, food intelligence, the lack thereof. Let's wake the fuck up, people. This is not food anymore. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing with seed oils too. I think people are becoming very uh, awakened to how dangerous seed oils are. I didn't know they fuck with your genes. Yes. Like they change your DNA. Yes. 
And you just go, I mean, it's not hard to find out that seed oils are shit, <laughs> you know, especially now. It's not hard to find a bad, you know, a, a, a very good depiction of how bad they are. You know, it's out there. We know, even though that's this is where we have to get deep into food intelligence and start pursuing the source of the seed. Because if you don't know exactly what goes into basically fabricating that oil, then you're pretty dumb because the information's out there and you don't give a shit on how you look or how you feel on the inside. And that's a call out. Okay, let's say that. All right, you can't be OCDC about this. You can't, you know, be obsessive about it, but you can definitely be aware. Okay, you get that awareness. Let's take it a step further. Well, what are they putting on all this, uh, this seed oil? What are they putting it in? Well, they're putting it in everything that you consume because you think the colors are pretty and it says healthy. And so that's where you're wrong and you can't argue it anymore. I don't care if you're a nutritionist, you were, you were, you were probably lied to until you can come to me and we can talk about true nutrition of animal protein, then I'm not going to listen to you. And there's a lot of people out there baiting that. No, this is how we got here, people. It's time to not even participate in that argument anymore. If you want to eat vegetables, you want to be a vegan, damn right, I respect you, but you're going to know the source of that seed because I know you're putting that much time into it. This is not about vegans and vegetarians and beef eaters. This is about true quality of the purity of that seed. Yeah. And it's that seed oil is not pure at all. Like no, it, it's not. Like Nick Carter has been tweeting a lot about this too. And apparently like- I saw that. <laughs> that's why- uh, that's why like people are getting so severely sunburned these days because the seed oils are fucked exactly. like, If you cut seed oils out of your diet, apparently, like you can go to the beach, not wear a lotion, which you shouldn't wear anyway, because especially yeah. if it's not mineral, right? It's like <laughs> leaking into your body and giving you cancer. Another um, another fake, you know, value there. Yeah. Um like I think if you just cut seed oils out, apparently your skin is well, much more protected from the- You know, we could, we could do a podcast on seed oils. We could do actually a book. People have done books. Let's just look at it and just bring common sense into this. Okay, seed oils, allergies, boom, we're done. That's it. <laughs> if you want to go argue everything else, go for it. You know, bring your institutional awareness into the conversation. It's screwed up. We didn't have allergies before seed oils. Eczema. Eczema. All, all of this. Shit. Yeah, we didn't have it. That's, that's actually one thing when I like cut shitty food, I, don't, I have bad eczema. Like, like so my you, arms you felt get, it then. Yeah, get, you know like, it. crazy. Right. Haven't had it in years. Um, yeah. And you know you get this you get these people you know that's with this guy in Tennessee that's going to do this you know this product with lard basically and that's going to be something he's probably going to be pretty successful because it's based on truth it's not based on cosmetic okay you bring that up you know let's talk about that you know you need eczema well you found out it's probably cause of seed oils and allergy reactions of food now you're very sensitive to that. Well, once people start understanding that little algorithm that we're building, these cosmetic companies are going to get exposed. You want to talk about these vegans and everything, you know, they're going to, their food is going to get exposed. You know how they're going to get exposed through their food? Well, through the beef initiative, because we're going to come after you. I'm going to have a discussion. You know, I've had discussions with Shishi. He's a farmer. You know, there's another, I'm going to have a, a Bitcoin vegan, vegan Bitcoin. I want to talk to him because he brings a lot of damn intelligence to this. Justin, if you're listening. Yes. Let's link up. 
Yeah. So let's do that because this is what, this is how we have to approach this, you know? And if, if you eat, you know, fish, is that, if that's your thing, that's fine. The really the base layer here is animal protein. Yeah. I'm, I'm in Texas, of course. So I'm going to do beef. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the wife and I went Christmas shopping last night and we went to the Capitol Grill and we split a fat ribeye. Capitol Grill, really? I haven't been there in a long time. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It was a, it was a nice little date night. Um, Oysters, beef. Mm-hmm. I love oysters. You know, we should eat more oysters. I mean, because that was a big, you know, big thing, manipulation as well. Why do you say that? Well, we used to eat oysters a lot, man. Americans ate tons of oysters. Oh, I mean, there's stories, if you go read like the history of New York City and Manhattan, they used yeah. to have like piles of oyster shells that were like 10, 20 mm-hmm. feet high because they were just like literally pull them out of the Hudson, the East River. And, Exactly. Like shuck and you, eat. Well, you go down to New Orleans and you go down there and you, you go up to stand-up bars and that's all they are is just oyster bars. Yeah. And so you go eat oysters. Well, oysters got some good protein to it. You know, it's good for you. And, you know, you want to talk about people that were freaking strong. You know, you go follow the Mississippi River, do some heritage on that and look how many oysters they ate and how strong and, you know, tough they were. Yeah. So, the, you know, once again, this comes down to animal protein, po- folks. This is, you know, I'm, you know, just because I'm doing the beef initiative doesn't mean that everything else is just as important. And that is, you know, even with produce. And so I don't want to go too deep into produce because I have to do the beef initiative. Yeah. But I want the conversation to come to me saying, let's discuss this and let's get some education out there. Let's get some more cattle out there. Let's get some more beef to people. Yeah. The oyster talk in Charleston too. And those back bays that we used to, uh, Sling rocks at gators. <clears throat> the bottom of those bays were just like oysters. Like if you jumped in, you touch bottom, your feet got all cut up. Right. Um, but you bring those like shrimp and nets with the pa- the weights on the end of them. Toss them in. Pull up some shrimp and oysters. You could shuck them right there on the back bay. Does it hard? Is it hard for you to be in Austin sometimes? I do miss the ocean. I'm an ocean person. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Like we'll go home to Philly and we'll go to the beach for a few days just to be by the ocean. Yeah. What are your best experiences here in Austin so far? Let's talk about Austin. <clears throat> the people. I mean, people. Is that what you're liking? Yeah, the people. The, the weather's been nice. Can't yeah. complain about that. I, I've done plenty of, uh, I've spent plenty of my life uh, in very cold areas in the winter. And I'm, uh, I'm much enjoying a, a, a somewhat temperate uh, fall and winter here. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Bitcoin scene's blown up down here. Uh, my son... He's been able, again, part of the fact that it's temperate and like warm, he's been able to be outside all day, every day. Right. Um, we've got a nice park down the way here. He's becoming the, uh, the king of the, the playground. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, we've had the other thing too, like this, like we've, um, this porch has been incredible having people over. Uh, that's the thing too. My brother and my sister live here now. So every Sunday, We'll do like a long Sunday. My brother and I will smoke cigars. Um, my sister and my wife will cook like a, a slow-cooked meal. We'll watch right. football. Sun runs around. Some friends roll through. and then That's pretty cool. You're, you're living a pretty cool lifestyle. And to get to say you're doing it in Austin, Austin is very transient. You know, it's transient. We'll just put it that way. A lot of people that come here don't stay here. Um, I think there will probably start being people move here. 
that has some good success. And I know some, well, you, but you know, somebody that, you know, you, you end up out in the hill country, you end up at a, you know, a smaller town or whatever it happens. It's happening to me, but you know, my life here in Austin was fascinating. It was so damn fun. And well, let's jump into it. Cause we didn't, <laughs> we didn't talk about it the first time you were on, but uh -huh. your, uh, your education, you got a free college education. Well, I made it free for sure. I mean, I, it was a place called San Pedro Oaks. It's over there off of San Pedro. Small little unit there. I think, I don't know, there's like 12 of them, but there was some smart freaking people in that apartment complex. We have a swimming pool right there in your front door. And then we had a hot tub underneath the oak tree. And so we had a lot of discussions out there. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a lot of weed and there was a lot of beer, you know, and it was Austin. And we had a couple of guys that were, you know, public radio. They, you know, they did the college radio. And people that were really ingrained into UT because of family of heritage. And so I learned how the, you know, the system worked and that you could basically just go and, you know, hang out. Well, I liked all my friends there and we had a good time. I mean, we did a lot of different things together, but there was a musician there. There was uh, somebody that was in radio, television and film. There was somebody that was into computers. I dated a girl that did radio, television and film. There was a, a, a girl there that, that did philosophy. And so what I did is I just started going to class with them and I, I enjoyed that. And so I learned what I wanted to learn. And so I, I put my low time preference, not into that piece of paper, but what the hell I was gonna learn. And so I didn't go too far with a lot of things because I didn't wanna get outed in certain ways. But man, I, I hung out, you know, I know a lot of people in the movie Slacker. I mean, I was around that shit. So, you know, hey, Steve, how you doing out there? So, uh, <laughs> you know, there's people out there that I know that came from that era that that's the shit we did. I knew people that had been going to UT for 30 years. Just popping in. Just this, well, that's what they did. That was their life. You want to have some conversations? I mean, these people have seen a lot. I picked up on that pretty early and that's how I started studying technology. I would see how the university was kind of behind with the discussions that I was having with my friends. And that's when I started meeting some cyberpunks and some engineers and some network engineers. And they were really being progressive with everything. And so I kind of embedded myself in the university and then I embedded myself in the streets, and I guess you would say. And so that led to me having some successes. And But I, I didn't ever really put any interest. <laughs> it just kind of happened. I mean, I was living up in Maine half the year and I was working up in Maine during the summers. And then I'd come back to Austin or I'd be up in Vermont mm -hmm. or I'd go out to the mountains and I would, you know, elk hunt or I'd go and ski instructor. I've been ski instructor. I don't know how many years. And so, you know, I have my Rocky Mountain division that I had since I was younger. And so I could go ski instruct and I could go do snowmobiles. I could go elk hunt. But I just came back to Austin and I just got into the scene. And well, that scene started becoming kind of underground. Then we started getting into some technology here. And that's when the startup started happening. And when like Dell came down here or? Yeah, Dell started over there in one of those dorms at the university. That's where it really started. Yeah. He was doing it out of his dorm room. And that's exactly, Dell used to be on 183, close to 183 in Burnett in a strip mall. <laughs> Believe that shit. Yeah. And so that was where Dell was. That was one of their very first small places. And so I saw Austin turn into what it is. And I was part of that for many years. So let's dissect the culture a little bit sure. more. Like you're hanging a hot tub, smoking pot, drinking beers. Mm -hmm. 
was there was it similar like what's going on with Bitcoin or these network engineers like hey there's a new way to transfer information and data like, we need to leverage this yeah it was it was that there was a lot of fights on censorship even back then oh really yeah you know you, a lot of people don't realize Steve Jobs and Bill Gates came to Austin in the late seventies that's where they hashed out their deal one of the the deals that they hashed out through where we are today. Let's put it that way. Oh, shit. So there was a lot of smart people, you know, coming out of Austin that had that type of mentality and stuff. Didn't know where it was going, though. We didn't understand it. I mean, no matter, nobody could have dreamt of this. There was a long adoption period here. <laughs> I mean, you had to kind of be, kind of had the pirate radio type of mentality, sure. But you, we had to build layers of interface on top of this thing that was never supposed to be centralized in the beginning. The internet was not supposed to be centralized. It got hijacked, and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize that. And so, yeah, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of you know outlaw stuff going on back then, and a lot of people don't understand the dark web and how big and how vast it is. And you want to talk about understanding how things are transfer, you know, transformation of data and everything. Well, get into the dark web a little bit and look around, and then you're not even getting deep enough. And all of that started, well, it had been going on before that, of course. But that time in Austin in late, I got here in, I think it was 89, 90, something like that. I was young, you know, I was a teenager. But, uh, you know, that stuff happened and it, it grew very fast, but it couldn't be monetized. Mm -hmm. We didn't know how to monetize the internet. It was chatting, it was emails, you know, it was very cumbersome. But then we started building interface. We started looking into, you know, how in the hell can we search this thing we called the internet, the web? Well, guess what? I was, I was flying out to Google before Google became Google. <laughs> they were just getting discovered. And I was working for a company, actually, it's how I got into the telecommunications. I was working for a company called Prodigy. Mm -hmm. Prodigy had found me. They hired me. And uh, I started working in some project management with them. I did a lot of integrations for them. And we went out there, we were trying to find something because they were the first website, the internet service that had a portal, mm -hmm. <laughs> believe it or not. And so they were pretty smart, Prodigy was. Well, we, we, they put me onto Google. So I, I got in contact with Google, flew out to Google and we had a hell of a business deal with them. And we knew the value of what Google was. That's when Google was cool. That's when it was, it was a transformation overnight. Yeah. People said, oh, my usability, I'm smart now because I can Google something. I now have found a search engine. And whenever you, when that happened, we were off to the races. It's like the world was at your fingertips. It really out. was. And a lot of people were too dumb to figure that out. And that's not because it was their fault, though, is they just didn't understand it's such it. such a foreign, it was. alien. And again, that's not a stab, but it is kind of a stab because it turned into what we have right now. We have a bunch of digital surfs that do not know how to look beyond the interface of anything right now because they basically hijacked the internet back then with this interface that is now controlling people's lives with things that we never saw coming. No. no. I, I never saw any of this. With uh, evil algorithms, if you will. Yeah, sure. I mean, just manipulation of dopamine. We know all of the crap. You know, we, we used to sit in labs and it, it, we would follow the eyeballs, right? You know, what are the eyeballs doing? You know, all those types of tests. You know, information architecture. How does a person think whenever they see a website? You know, and we got deep into all that. Behavioral analysis, what happens when somebody's online. I had access to all that type of stuff. 
And, you know, it's pretty scary. And, and a lot of people, you know, we talk about hypnosis and, you know, the, this mass formation. People really don't know that they're in it. Oh, no. They really don't. <laughs> that's and, why we're and, in this situation that we're in about, now. And they're, they're about to hit it into overdrive. And that's why, you know, where do we start? You know, where do we start? Well, we start with Bitcoin thinking like Bitcoin. <laughs> we really do. We have to. Well, that's speaking of Bitcoin, like you said you couldn't envision what uh, the technology that you were working on in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s would turn into today. Mm -hmm. Like. Is that where we are with Bitcoin? Like that's something I say. Like we can't even fathom where this we is We can't go. fathom where we are with Bitcoin. We can try. Or we where it's try. going. And there's people out there that are that that try to talk about it, but people they don't have that that foundational knowledge of the facility. Well, because again, like Bitcoin connects into like the internet stack, right? To right. a certain degree. And people don't understand that. No. And then it's trying to Well, and I like that the internet stack, and that's you're right. It, it's gonna tap into everything. That's what people don't understand. Did you see those little animations? Or I don't know. They were photographs somebody did of a Bitcoin network the other day. No. It was white and it was just a form of, it was very, pretty damn cool. And it, it was a good depiction. Mm -hmm. And I, I want, I, I hope that more people bring that visual, visualization into this narrative and this discussion, because that's how I work was, was visualization. And if we can bring that artistic side of what Bitcoin is, People are going to start understanding this yeah, just and what it's going to touch. Visualizing the topography of the network and uh -huh. how all the nodes connect and <clears throat> yeah. liquidity and for the Lightning Network and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, people are investing in the, they had, they read something yesterday on Simply Bitcoin about Lightning going into the trading aspect of things. And so there's, there's going to be some fascinating stuff that's going to happen in 2022. Yeah, the Collider Exchange came out with, mm -hmm. uh, with a blog post, basically explained that by being able to send Lightning either from exchange to exchange or a personal wallet to an exchange, the amount of capital they need to hold on that exchange gets diminished significantly. Like 30% yeah. of the value that they have on risk on all their trades, um, uh, they need 30% of that in reserves in case mm -hmm. they need to like move Bitcoin to, That's what it was, to fill yes. margins with Lightning due to the fact they have final settlement. Immediately that gets reduced to 5% of mm -hmm. the value. So, does many things, makes trading more efficient for those traders, but it also keeps Bitcoin off exchanges, which is good for the distributed nature of the, the protocol. Let me compare that to something. Um, one of those companies that I was got to be involved with was called CyberCore. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it became CyberTrader is what was the, the path that it took. It was three guys. They were started out with fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, the the founder, his name is Philip Berber. He's a very fascinating man. He's very cool. He was he was very good for the community while he's here. I believe he was from Ireland, but he came in and they developed a software platform. And I was I was in this company and I was early on with this company. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is they were able. They built a market maker. They built some charts. Okay, that dealt with trading. Well, they found a, a basically a form of a tunneling, whatever. <laughs> they were able to allow you to trade from your computer all the way to the ECNs in Manhattan on Wall Street. This had never been done before. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, they went through an adoption period. They did a lot of things. What they ended up doing is exactly what Lightning's trying to do. They basically built leverage into the trading platform and they bit, as Sailor says, they bent space and time. That's what's going on here, folks, with Lightning. 
And I saw it happen and it changed everything. Schwab came in, swooped in, all kinds of people were trying to freaking buy or whatever, Cybercore. Came in, it was a half a billion dollars in stock and that was 1999, I believe. That's a lot of damn money. And so this is going to start happening with Lightning, with these types of layers stacking what we're doing here. And so, and it's going to be pretty, uh, like I said, you know, 2022, we're going to see some stuff happen. Yeah, well, I think we're already seeing happen with podcasting 2.0. Oh, I can't get enough, man. And I'm I'm way behind everybody. You know, I'm, you know, Carr over there and Logan, they're helping me out as much as possible. I got to catch up and I, I, I need help. <laughs> but, you know, Adam's, you know, I've talked to him a little bit, you know, and he's been very cool. So he's going to help me, I believe. Yeah, but just think... He's podcasting 2.0 apps. Like they're pushing the floor. Oh, yeah. Like if you're a Spotify, if you're, if you're an Apple yeah. like, and you're not on podcasting 2.0, you're not like building lightning network wallet capabilities into your app, you're going to get left behind. You are. I mean, this is it. I mean, you're, you're right. It is here. It's just people don't realize how big it's here. The, a lot of the podcasters don't know that it's here. No. And they're going to lose out. They better do some transformation. I saw the Jack Murphy. He he was talking to Adam and, you know, he, he, he has a podcast. I guess I don't know how much money he makes off that. But, you know, he's saying he needs to switch over. And that's... I, I'm I'm excited that it's happening because this is kind of when I'm getting into the podcasting, you know, bringing in ranchers and all the discussions I'm going to bring in. I mean, I don't know. I hope it does something, but, um, you know, it's going to be a good way for us to all learn together, I guess. Me being a podcaster that's just starting out, how to do this right, you know. Well, that's what you're finding. I don't think there's no uh, exact right way no. to do it all. We all have our own flavor. It, yeah, it's going to take some, you know, it's going to take some trial and error and all. But the, just learning how to do it right, meaning learning how it is, how we're going to move forward, have that discussion, you know. Well, that's the thing. You just got to be able to have a discussion. And I think yeah. you're you're very uh, capable of doing that and just having good conversations. Like we said before we hit record, Adam made it so easy. You just record and upload. Yeah. And that's it. And it doesn't really have to be that much more complicated than that. No, no. It's like record, upload, and before you upload, put your Lightning Network address in your RSS feed. And <laughs> get the ability for people around the world to send you money instantaneously. Hey, I got up to 184 in Mexico. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. They sent me something through Squadcast. <laughs> I don't know. The day, I haven't even looked at anything, so I don't even know how we're doing on Lightning or, you know, getting you know, anything. So well, that's back. That's what I can, uh, off air, I'll give you the stack that we have. Cool. Um, cause I can show you, you just like, you hook up your, you get your node set up get your node fully I'm just describing the stack. Now I said I did off air, but you just get your node, uh, <laughs> uh, funded sufficiently and have channel balance. Uh, and then you download something like Zeus, on your phone, you connect it to that node. Right. And then you can just track it all day as people are streaming you sets. Yeah, I saw you tracking that phone last time we were here. So yeah. that's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, um, and then on top of that, you have like apps like Fountain that are ma- trying to make it easier um, for, the, for the podcasting side. They'll like, mm-hmm. do that for you as well. And so you can just have it enclosed in one app. You, you Somebody sends you like a Boostagram. Yeah. Um, message via fountain. Like it'll be there or any other apps. That's the thing too that Adam's done beautifully with this. Is all the apps are going to be compatible. Like you're going to have like chat and comments that are going across all of them. Um, Let's talk about how Adam has done that because he's done a lot of, you know, through, uh, how did he says, uh, a, a DAO. 
you know, mm-hmm. a distributed autonomous. That's essentially what it is. It right? is. Everybody's like on top of DAOs, like mm-hmm. uh, in the shitcoin world. But like this is actually a DAO, like, right? Where let's say let's say a bunch of freaks. Like I went to raise money for TFTC. A bunch of freaks donated, not donated, invested Bitcoin. Um, and then once they sent me that Bitcoin investment, they uh, sent me a Lightning address attached to that as well. Like technically, mm-hmm. like, I could put all of their addresses in, in the commensurate amount of the equity that they got in the company. And as Sats are streamed to the podcast, they would get their portion, half percent, 20 bips, whatever it is. And it goes straight to their address as we're making the money instantaneously. You're not yeah. like waiting for like quarterly payouts or anything like that. But exactly. Yeah. And you, you think about that, and that's a good transformation into beef, into, you know, these establishment type of nodes that we're going to build with these small communities and everything. That's coming. That's how this is going to work, exactly how you just said it. Yeah. And it's it's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be instantaneous. So that's the other yes. thing, too. I've seen, like, that's what's really getting the oil and gas guys on the Bitcoin mine. They're like, wait, right. I don't have to wait. <laughs> I don't have to wait 45 days for my royalty check to hit. Mm-hmm. I get it every day, multiple times a day. It's like, yeah, you get paid, you mine a block, you get your Bitcoin to spare steel, and that's yours. You well, let's to- let's bring that into the into the cow, okay? You're not going to have to do seed. You're going to be able to bring in some skills into your beef production, your beef supply, your beef processing that way. You're not having to wait. You get to have control of the truth of how to get that animal protein out there because we're going to bring processing into the beef initiative as well, saying you want to open up a processor, you know, whoever you are, you're going to come to the beef initiative and you're going to say, what rules and regulations, what do I need to do to get up to speed where I can do a local processor? And I'm going to do my goal right now. And I've talked to my local uh, producer processor up in the panhandle, Justin, we're going to shoot for one processor in every county in the state of Texas. Hell yeah. And if we are able to get... To put that in the context, how many processors are there in Texas? 254. Okay. That's what we're looking at. This is a good scale to go by. You know, Vermont's going to be different than Texas. But what we're going to shoot for, and we're going to build the intelligence around this because the information is not in one place. We're going to consolidate this information to where you can come. You got the money. You got the funds. You got the idea. You got the sales deck. Come to the Beef Initiative, and we're going to help you. We're going to help you get all this bullshit rules and regulations to where we can make it a little bit easier for you, and you're not going to have to spend as much money doing this. And people are beginning to find success getting away from these regulations, correct? Like, yes. Like people they are there disconnecting to get around. themselves from the USDA and stuff like that? That's going to happen. I think there's going to be big attempts at that. Right now, you know, USDA is still in the mix, but, you know, being in the state of Texas, we have a state of Texas certification. So that's the number one thing that we need to focus on. If you are in a different state, you're going to have to right now go by the USDA regulations. But by creating this algorithm, that discussion is going to come up. I mean, we've got access. I have access now in a roundabout way where we're going to start bringing in politicians. We're going to talk to the state legislation when it comes, especially here in Texas, because it's beef. We're going to bring this discussion and we're going to make people aware of what we want 
as far as processing, because that's the biggest problem right now with our beef. It's the bottleneck. Why is it so hard to spin up processors? Well, Obviously, there's regulatory tape. No, like, what well, are they regulating? Don't get me started on this. I mean, th- I'm going to get you is, started. Well, I want to know about because it's very frustrating. Well, I don't want to piss off a lot of people. And I don't want to jeopardize a lot of ranchers here. Okay. okay. And I have to be careful about this. But let's start with the processors. And I'll just give a quick little tutorial. The processors in this country, we have three, four processors. Okay, we have JBS, we have Cargill, we have Tyson, we have National. Okay, they control everything that you eat as far as your food right now, as far as animal protein for the most. That is a generalization. There's a lot of people out there, so don't come at me. You know, you're wrong, bullshit. But what it is, is JBS, they're, they're the biggest processors in the United States. Well, they're, they're not even out of the United States, man. Okay, let's just get this real. This is a global freaking movement here with processing your animal protein. Whenever I was younger and whenever my grandfather was around, we had local processors. The local processors destroyed the butcher. I mean, not the local, the big processors destroyed the butcher and the local processors. By doing that, they have now created an industry that is is basically pretty damn scary. So what they're able to do with the beef shortage that they say is going on, that it's, they can't process, there's not a shortage of cows. We know that. But they're manipulating the production of it, and it's part of this inflation model that we've got going on. Once again, some more corruption and false value that's being created because of the fiat and the globalist mindset. So processors are basically, they're pretty damn they're the problem. (laughs) You know, in Nebraska happened with those farmers and ranchers out there. Well, that's $300 million. I think we talked about this. And, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, the the feedback I've gotten from people like you and others is like, it's cute. I wish them well. Yeah. But uh, well, they were a target now. Yeah. What we're going to do is let's, let's talk about networks. Let's talk about nodes. Let's visualize that in a way that we can. Let's look at the state of Texas like I was talking about before. Let's do a satellite view with Google Earth. Let's look at this. Go ahead. Well, you said that. Let's talk about networks. Let's talk about nodes. And Mm -hmm. this made me think about the fiat standard. That's a beautiful thing that SAFE did in the fiat standard is he basically uses Bitcoin nomenclature to compare it to the the central banking system. Right. the central bank and the Fed Reserve Banks is master nodes, validators. It's very, you know, when compared to Bitcoin, way less distributed, similar with the processing thing. You yeah. Have the Cargills, the Tysons, uh, what was the J? Uh, we got JBS. JBS. Yes. And so like those are the nodes that control the processing. It really is. And there's not really too many ways around that. And they make that, of course, by design. In Texas, we're more, you know, we're more we're further along is being able to be independent yeah. when it's processing your beef and your, you know, your fowl, whatever it is. So by, you know, us being that, bringing that intelligence here, you do see those nodes and you see where the bottlenecks are. And, you know, how much stronger the network here. 
yeah. is because you have more distributed node. Exactly. Layout. And, right. you know, we can do this all over again. That's why I'm leveraging the damn cow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's, let's visualize that. You know, drive from Austin to Amarillo, Texas. You know, that's 500 miles. You're going to see some land. You're going to see some cows. Every one of those is a node. You know, there's somebody there that's tapping into that energy of that cow. You know, with the land, with the beef, everything that it stands for, that's just a node. And that's how we have to look at it to build it out and to have these conversations. Yeah. And it's it's happening, too. And, like, another thing, if you freaks haven't seen the movie Food, Inc., uh, it's a documentary. And throughout the documentary, they talk to this farmer who does everything outside. He butchers outside, does everything in the open air. And they're trying to shut him down because he's not... Like mm-hmm. living up the processing specs and yeah. the process. And they're saying he's uh, a dirty farmer um, because he's doing it in the open air. And like when you're processing all that stuff in these very enclosed spaces that are just factory farm, uh, parts of the factory farming industry, it's like mind blowing. It's like, how could they say this guy is doing things in a, in a way that's putting people's food uh, safety in danger mm-hmm. compared to this like hyper scale model. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and that's, you know, before I released a lot of my information and whatever you want to call it, my signal, I looked at that. So where, what you just said, they didn't realize, you know, they don't, people don't understand. Well, it's because they took the heritage out of, out of our food and they, they reinvented it in a way that they can leverage it to where it's very manipulating. And so, you know, we have to understand what food is, where it came from, where it really, the more that we're separated from our, the source of the seed, is that we're going to be screwed in ways that people will never be able to escape because they're doing it with this corruption, basically. And let's talk about the beef processors. Why are they coming on board with fake meat? Why do they have contracts with fake meat companies right now? There's at least nine very big fake meat companies about to flood the United States. You know, all is, you know, this is all going on as we're going through beef price manipulation being done by the processors because they're trying to take the damn cow out of the processing. And how they do that, it's not totally exposed yet, but I know they have 3D printed meat that's coming. They have this stem cell meat. And, you know, People are coming after this narrative that stem cell meat is okay for you. And they want to- It's real meat. It's real meat. It comes from the stem cell of the cow. It's just grown in a process. So let's bring that word back into a process. Well, if you're not following a natural process, that process is being controlled by the people that got you here. And they got you here in a way that is decreasing your years on this earth and it's manipulating your kids and it's manipulating you. And that's what we have to understand. If you're gonna be okay with eating stem cell meat that's grown from a Petri dish, you go for it (laughs) and come talk to me in 10 years. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, good luck with that. I'm not gonna join your argument saying that I have to come with uh, proof that stem cell meat is not gonna be healthy for you. It's almost like end of day shit too. It's like biblical 
It really is. You get warned about this. Not only the Bible, but like other (laughs) other religious texts, other spiritual. Man, it's the spirit of the damn Antichrist is what's going (laughs) on. Right? Like you can't. Somebody told me that the other day and I said, you know what? I have to agree with you on this one. Right. Okay. I've never seen this type of behavior. And we talked about it before. And you know what? It's not a person that's doing this. There's something out it's a there. It's psychosis, it's an evil really, force, if you, you know. Will, and you want to know, you know, you want to know about 1930s Germany. Go, go look 1930s Germany and see how obsessive they were with cleanliness. Go look at 1920s, like Weimar Republic, and look at how mm-hmm. focused on like sex and gender yes. and fluidity and. This is a process like, they've done before. Yeah. Okay, wake up, people. Yeah. It's coming, and I don't know how much it's going to come, but I'm going to have a damn good time while they do it because it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I had entertainment over there watching these people that think they're something <laughs> get their little rapid free test. Wait in their car with their mask on. Yes, wait in the car with your mask on and put your hazards on. Yes. After they see you, they'll come out because you have your hazards on. Look at that type of programming, okay, people? You show up, you get a free test. What do they do with that test? You come on, you, do you? I know nothing's free. I know what they do with that test. You're in a database now. Guess what? You just opted in because you were scared into taking a test. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry if you have to do it for your job. And if I, you, I mean, Laser Hot will talk about this in the last episode. Quit those jobs. If yes. You do all this shit. Why do you desire what you desire? Why are you doing this? What is it? What is making you do this? If you ask that question and you're, you're able to answer that in an honest way with yourself, you won't be growing up and getting that damn test. No. Sorry. No. Check your desire. Yeah, it's... Uh, I got my hand up here. I had to go get an antibody test tomorrow because I'm going home to Philly and a lot of my family is like... Well, like I say, I'm not... This is not accusation against people who are trying to say, hey, you're, you're a dumbass for doing this, but you need to understand what you're playing with. No, I know. Uh, so I had to get, a, I have strong antibodies because I've gotten COVID. Right. Um, but it's crazy. Like even with Omicron being like- A, a joke. A joke. It's still like, oh, we need, mm-hmm. we need you to take, we need you to prove your purity before you, yeah. you step in this house with us. It's like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, you know, I listened to Joe yesterday, Joe Rogan and Dr. Um, McCullough. McCullough. And, and that was fascinating. But it's not anything we don't already know. No. I mean, it, it, I wasn't surprised. Let's, yeah, well, finally we have a pivot point here is what we have. If you haven't, you know, heard Joe Rog- Rogan's podcast, I don't listen to him too much, but go listen to this one. And because if you're confused, you won't be confused now. And it, he did a very good job of explaining it. Yeah. And so decide what you want with all that. You look what the FDA, what they've done the last two years and how it was done. And you look at anything that you consume tonight with that fork, you look at it. FDA is the gateway into that food. Yeah. You look what they just did with this, this whole medical thing that they created. Go back, you go to FDA and dive into the CDC, larger at the World, oh, World gets, Health Organization. Huge, people don't care about you. No. They, I mean, they approve drugs that have created an opiate crisis that have decimated many, many towns across America. Man, it's it goes way, 78% of Americans are on prescriptions. What else do you need to say? Yeah. You're, and people have to participate. I understand that. I don't participate, but I'm, I'm lucky and I'm very humble because of that. But if you can, I, I talk to people all the time that go on to a, maybe a coronavirus, uh, you know, b- 
eating beef and animal protein, you know, just whatever it is. We only have to say carnivore, but it's just, you know, doing something different. They get off prescriptions, they get off things, you know, and there's a lot of stories out there that you can hear this stuff. And again, like we were talking about earlier, these kids eating honey buns and sugary drinks and then they give them fucking Adderall. It's, Uh they're like, oh, we have like a, a, epidemic of ADD and autism. It's like you're feeding these people shit. It's changing the chemical balance of their body and more than they know. DNA. I'm going to ask people a question here. And this is going to be a good one that stumps. Come at me and, and, and educate me, please, on this. But I want you to know, why do we not, we have people that, you know, they're, they're experts in the liver. They're experts in the kidneys. They're experts in the heart, brain. Why don't we have true, true, intelligence around the pancreas. Why do we not have that? I couldn't tell you. What is the number one freaking killer, basically, that we're, we're kind of ramping up here in the United States? Well, that's its base layer of destruction is called diabetes. What, what happens? Who, what do you get in involvement with that pancreas? Okay, why don't we have more uh, research and intelligence behind the pancreas? Now we're getting to laser hot level. Like, is it intentional? Is it like a well, slow? I don't know if it's intentional. Generational genocide. Something's going on there. One of my friends brought that up the other day, and I listened to what he has to say because he's put some thought into it. So, you know, I want to I want to have that discussion because that gets away from whenever you're eating beef, you're not, you know, your insulin does correct. You know, you're not eating these processed, you know, sugars, processed oils. So there's so much that you can just look at the, you know, animal protein and say, I can really change my life. And you can. And, yeah. you know, that's what's cool about it. Like you can, I mean, my eczema, like anybody who knew me growing up, it was like, it got to the point where like, I, I, I was embarrassed to go out without really? like, a long sleeve shirt on. Because it would just yeah. be like all the way from like my forearm up to my mid bicep, just fucking crazy eczema. Um, and you just had to grow up like that or? Yeah, I just had to grow up that. I was putting ointments on, taking steroids every once in a while when it got really bad. And yeah, not until like after college when I changed my diet that it just stopped. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, That's pretty cool. I mean, because you lived it and then you can kind of believe in it. So you, you can basically be a disciple of it. You know, you can I, go out there and really say this and people trust you. I haven't had an eczema outbreak in years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, going back to, you know, prescriptions and all this type of stuff, you know, the lotions that we have to put on in the sun, you know, it's, it's not hard. It's hard to accept. And we have to, we have to accept it. You know, acceptance is the key right now. It doesn't matter how much you were captured by it as a child or, you know, as adults, as parents, just accept it. Just go be okay with that. Yeah, it's the uh, it's like the avalanche of questioning everything. Like, how many snowflakes need to build up? I mean, for Bitcoiners, it's easy. Like, once you figure out that the money's fucked, it's like, all right, mm-hmm. if the base of technology of economic activity is fucked, what else is fucked beyond that? What are the negative externalities of fucking that up? Sure. And then we're more perspective perceptive of being like, all right, yeah, maybe the food's fucked up too. But Why would the food be okay if everything else is so fucked up? Right. Yeah. Ask yourself that question. Well, they're going to put like certain products, quality product over here. They're going to do something just because they want to. No, they're going to follow a pattern. They're going to follow a pattern of deception that worked over here. Why are they not going to recreate that into the whole food industry? 
I don't want to have the argument anymore if this is nefarious by somebody, whatever it is, if, if it is the spirit. It's happening in ways that people refuse to accept and they get focused on the wrong shit here. <laughs> How can a, basically a dollar that is worthless anymore in the ways that it should be valuable, how can that not correlate into what you consume that gives you your nutrition? And it's a form of a drug that is people really don't want to know about. It is a drug now, and they know how to do it, and they're going to manipulate it more. And you guys going out there and saying, you tell me why it's bad for genetically modified stem cell beef consumption is actually going to be a good thing for you? <laughs> really? Okay. Well, I'm not going to talk to you. Well, I... <laughs> I still find it hard. I think that's a psyop too. Like I find it hard to believe those people exist because you, you you get the famous pictures of the supermarket during like a <laughs> hurricane or something. Yeah, all the fake meats. Like it's literally an emergency situation. Even in the emergency, people yeah. aren't putting it in their cart. Well, it, it might it might be a psyop because how they're going to deliver it. You know, thinking that somebody's going to go to a fake meat stem cell cat, uh, steakhouse is that that's just not going to happen. I don't think. But once again, what did I say? What are they going to put it in? They're going to put it into other delivery mechanisms, you know, of food that they create that looks good down those middle aisles of that supermarket. Yep. And that's how they're going to get into it. Well, what's that? What chemicals does that have in that new fake meat? Whatever you want to call it, you know, stem cell or 3D or, you know, soy, pea, protein, whatever it is. Let's say, you know, where did that, let, let's, let's digital footprint that protein now because we got the processing down where we can do that now. Yeah, you can put microchips in it, right? Well, it, you know, it goes into nanotechnology. That's where we're going with food production. And that's why they're getting to where they want to control these, you know, you have these food tower warehouses. And there's a lot of good growing, you know, that can be done out of these new warehouse. You know, they, we, we take the seed out of the soil, of course. The hydroponics. Stuff. Yeah, the hydroponics. And there's some good technology behind that, but that's not what they're going to use it for. They're using food in a way, you, they're trying to digitize food in a way from, a, from the, it's basically the, the source of the seed mm -hmm. when it first goes into the ground all the way to basically you have digested that food. And, you know, they're putting the dots together to be able to do that. And so if you're controlling that food production, let's say in a warehouse that's hydroponic and everything, and you're wrapping all this blockchain bullshit digitization around your food, well, they're going to follow that with its inventory process, its growth, uh, its, its consumption of water, everything that that seed did, they're going to know this and they're going to have that data on that. Or they're going to have it whenever it gets processed too. And then it's going to get processed in things we don't know what it's getting processed with anymore because they get to, you know, put in thousand new chemicals in our food and not tell us about it every year. Well, I don't know about every year, but we just had that one. I brought that up before yeah. with the grass rule, the GRAS. And so, you know, they're able to put shit in there. And then now we're doing nanoparticle stuff. And we've always had nanoparticles in our food. Yes. But right now it's going to go to a new level. Where it's tracking things and uh, accumulating scores. And then it's uh, well, judging you based off the score of your consumption. Of it? course it is. 
Jesus. I mean, why wouldn't they do that? You know, they can track you. We know you're addicted to this shit. So let's just go ahead and have fun with it. <laughs> let's have fun with it. And let's see, try to let you know, we know how much your insurance is going to cost you now because we know exactly what you consume and where you get it. We know that you sit on your ass all day long and don't do anything. So we, we're going to pump you up into this hedge fund over here that's going to be pro-diabetic. They're going to do this stuff. And it's going to be basically total control that people aren't going to answer to. And, but they're going to know one thing that they can consume. Yeah. And they're not going to be questioning their consumption. And they're going to be having the wrong argument. And they're not going to be able to say, why do I desire what I desire? Right. And that's going to be already taken care of for you. You won't be thinking about it. You're just going to be reactionary walking down with that shopping cart with that damn food in there that's killing you. And it's going to kill your kids too. It's killing you. It only makes you hungry. All those cards. That's all it does. It just makes you more hungry. It it's certifies hungry. that, you know, that you have that hunger, that you have that, that taste, want, that urge, that desire. It quenches it and it says, let's do that again. Yeah. That was fun. Let's do that again in 45 minutes. Yeah. Please. You know, I ate yesterday once. I ate a pound and a half of beef yesterday with some beans. And that's the, all I ate. And I have more energy. I'm going to be driving back to Amarillo, Texas tonight and not until four o'clock in the morning. So I'm doing a thousand miles. I'm doing, I'm going to eat, shit. I'm going to eat twice in two days and it's going to be beef and I ain't going to be tired. Yeah. And I, I can live, I'm on, my ass is on the road these days and I'm talking to people and I'm eating beef. That's a hell of a good lifestyle. That's not bad at all. I'm not having to go to the grocery store. I'm not having to do a lot of things. You know what I need? I need a new truck and a gas card. That's my goal for <laughs> 2022 is to get a new diesel truck and a gas card because I'm about to go start talking to people. What's a gas card? A, a, a gas card, a diesel card. I'm sorry. A, a credit card, whatever. I need to pay with a, I need to get gas. So, you know, I'm going to have a big gas bill. That's only getting more expensive. I know it. Um, Whenever we get into that discussion with Bitcoin and fuel, yeah. that'll be interesting. Right. Like what, what, what time is it now, Car? Uh, 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. So we're two hours in. Shit, it flew by. Yeah. yeah. I ate at dinner last night. I haven't eaten since. I'm not hungry. Let's talk about that. Um, let's talk about Oshi. Okay. You, you met with Michael, right? Met with Michael. What'd um, you think? I love him. Do you, what do you think about Oshi? I mean, I, we use it at the block party that uh, mm -hmm. the uh, the Pleb Labs threw, and it works. Right. Uh, I bought drinks. I bought tacos. I bought uh, drinks and tacos predominantly. Right. But yeah. It's Oshi. pretty, yeah. Oshi's going to be exciting. I think there's, uh, I was talking to them, they're looking at the analytics. It looks like some people are hitting it up, uh, you know, in California, all you know, different states. Yeah, there's different states going on right now. Because they're tracking that. So, you know, we're going to get there with beef, with Oshi as well. We're getting, we're doing some integration right now. And whenever somebody wants to basically onboard a rancher, they're going to be able to go to the Beef Initiative and basically get that onboarding, download their software from the Beef Initiative. And you want to go out and talk to a rancher, go do it. And there's going to be steps you take, onboarding, all that kind of stuff, the discussion to have. And so people can start going there whenever we launch and basically get out there, create that node. Let's get this going. Yeah. Let's get people on. Let's get these ranchers, these meat producers on Bitcoin. If they're not ready, that's all right. Go ahead and get your freaking animal protein from them and start the conversation and lead them into this. Yeah. If they're not ready, like to go full bore into mm -hmm. Egoshi, get them download Blue Wallet. I did that with my barber the other week. There you go. Um, start there, whatever it takes. Yeah. Low time preference this. Or Moonwallet. A lot of people are 
preferring Moonwalk over Blue Wall these days, but right. whatever it is. I was going to look at, you know, I, was, I don't know. I was going to look at Moon just to look at it. Yeah. I mean, it's getting easy. Like, you can go download Oshi, Moon, Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want like a more integrated uh, solution with Oshi, you can go down that route. But if you want something simple, mm-hmm. more simple, where you don't have to do too much work, it's like, all right, download download Blue Water Moon, create an invoice for $50, mm-hmm. point your QR code at the other person's phone, they scan it, boom, you got Bitcoin. Well, I think that's what we're going to do with beef because we've, we've seen some problems with it because a lot of the ranchers, they don't have the best websites, you know, and that's just across the board. That's okay. Yeah. And, but we're going to bring, we're going to be solution providers as well in the beef initiative where the integration is going to be a lot easier for them. Yeah. And so we'll and be able to offer. There's that. ways to get scrappy with it too. Like mm-hmm. if you can send an email from your phone, they just create a blue wallet invoice, moon wallet invoice. Say, hey, you're getting half cattle. What's that going to cost you? Eight hundred bucks. Mm, half gonna, cattle will be sixteen. Sixteen hundred bucks. Quarter yeah. cattle will be eight hundred. Um, all right. Here's a sixteen hundred dollar invoice. I'm going to take a screenshot of it and email it to you. Pay mm-hmm. that. I'll get a notification on my phone that's paid, and we'll hand over the goods. I think that's kind of where we're starting because why not go ahead and do a special? Let's say I'm going to sell this week, or even today. I got four quarters. We're going to come come buy it and come buy it with Bitcoin. Hmm. Boom, you do f- five little barcodes there, five invoices, you're done. And people start paying attention to that. Yeah. And they say, this is cool. I want to buy my beef like that. Yeah. So I'm kind of having those talks right now because that's a good way to introduce it, to get some introduction into it for the adoption period. Yeah. And then on the other side too, like my barber specifically, uh, he was using like a custodial wallet. Mm-hmm. And when I showed him that like, you know, you can take your private keys off of this and like you write down these words and that's your Bitcoin. He was like, oh shit, like, this is the real deal. This is what I want. Like, really? Yeah. Wow. And, like, I imagine ranchers would be the same thing. Like nobody can fuck with this. It's like, no. No, they're going to love it. They just don't understand it yet. Yeah. And you ranchers, once again, I always say this with the utmost respect. Bitcoin is coming. Start paying attention and just pay attention. And listen, and because I'm going to bring a lot of conversation, I'm going to balance the beef with the Bitcoin moving forward. And we're going to work this out to where everybody starts feeling very damn comfortable about it. And they're going to really want to be a part of it. Yeah. And they're really going to want to dive in. And so that's what fascinates me. And lean on us. Don't be afraid to DM and No, questions. please do, man. Like, well, what I want people right now today to hear me is email me at texttxslim at mtminitiative.com. And put in the headline, Beef Initiative. Okay, you send me that email. I'm going to answer and I'm going to pursue. I'll check out whatever you want. And then if it's something that's going to help all of us out, I'm going to spread it out through the newsletter or basically the website in general. Yeah. And so that's going to be something that we get to do together. Yeah. We got it up here on on the TV. Yeah, if you're not listening... uh, if you're not uh, subscribed to this newsletter, get on it. It's uh, We're doing important things here. You're we doing are. important things. Well, what's cool about this now, because I started that newsletter, Harvest of Deception, get, I'm bringing in three new guest writers. Hell yeah. What they're going to do is going to contribute. And we're going to, I can't tell the whole story. So they're going to attach themselves to something I've said or something, that, the intelligence that I've brought or research, whatever you want to call it. And they're going to run with it in different directions. We're creating a spider web here of information. 
Yeah. This is how you decentralize things in the beginning. And so they're going to be able to say, this is who I am. This is the research that I have. Listen to me and we're going to be able to do that. That's creating an algorithm. Yeah. No, and this is something that we're thinking about TFTC in 2022 is like creating a media company, a publication where people like yourselves can come do guest posts with like a 25 cent mm -hmm. paywall paid for in lightning. You give sure. us your lightning address. We put it in there. Goes straight to you. Yes. Um, yeah. TFTC gets like ten percent, something like that. Perfect. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, and I think that's. I did, it kind of got to that to where I'm kind of going to do this approach, and really, and right now it's going to be a lot of production, you know. And I want to produce people that have really good information. Come with me with your intelligence. Let's do this, and you know, create that type of system. And I think it's really going to catch on. And us talking today, you just gave me an idea, you know, of how to kind of move forward. Yeah. And th that means something. Yeah. And then you freaks listening to this too, spread the signal as well. Share this. Tell Everybody people. do this. Yes. Why are we not talking about stakes right now on, you know, right now? Look at this weather. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> what are you eating tonight? Uh, probably steak. Right? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I am. We're going, I'm eating Cooper's Austin. We're going to BitDevs and then. Uh, cool. Uh, awesome. That's going to be fun. And after that. Uh, well, I just got a phone call twice. I think my rancher's here. <laughs> all right. Um, That's cool. I see. They're just parked right there. Are they? You yeah. want to tell them to come in? Or? Well, I don't have my phone, but I can go get them. I don't know. We'll see. I don't even know if it's cold. So. Is it Mike? I can't tell. You think he he has the address. Uh, if you want to. Yeah. I think here. they're right there in their truck. Be kind of cool if they right. Mike comes in. Yeah, they're bringing a quarter cow. I'm oh. taking it back to my dad. Oh, you put it right in the back of your truck? Yeah, I'll just put it in the back of my truck. Okay. So I'll protect it though. If I got stuff to do. I'm kind of worried, worried yeah. about parking places. We're on uh with I've got tarps if you need a tarp or something like that. Actually, I'm gonna I'll probably fit it. I've got a, a cab, so okay. I'll put it in there. All so right. But uh, yeah, I was thinking about, I'm going to go down to the Capitol factory this afternoon. So and yeah. talk to some people. So yeah, the uh, you're, you should hit up the Unchained guys, see if you can park in their garage. It's around there. Right. Yeah. And that, that's been my biggest stress about coming to Austin is how I'm going to protect the beef. <laughs> yeah. I'll connect you um, with Parker. Okay. I need to meet Parker garage. if he's, uh, if he's interested. Yeah. He's reached out to me a couple of times. Has he? Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, he's you know? um he's a big beef lover as well. Yeah, I, I get that. So you know we've, we need to we need to get the intelligence even more. We've cooked multiple steaks uh, on this fire pit back here. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So are you still stocked up pretty good? Let's talk about stocking up. No, I need to stock up. That's the thing I got to figure out is uh my freezer. I'm trying to figure out where I put it. Like, are there freezers that uh. Is it coal? No. What's going on, sir? What's up, brother? How are you? How's it going, man? We're good. Good. Just put it right down there. That'll be fine. We're doing, we're doing an exchange on uh, on the podcast. Yeah, but we're not doing Oshi today, unfortunately. No. Should we wrap up here so we can do this business? Show that. Oh. Yeah, show that up, and then Here we'll we get go. all this taken care of. KNC, our good friends at KNC, uh, two beef ribeyes here. Are these smoked ones? They don't so no, smoked. those aren't the smoked ones. Yeah. yeah. So. They're beautiful. So what I did is I got a quarter of a cow. 
And uh, basically, I'm going to give it to my father so he, he can have food security for the next year. Our parents deserve some food security, guys. Agreed. So step up. If you can step up, step up. Yeah. And that way you think about that, being 80 years old and being a senior citizen and knowing you don't have to worry about food. Yeah. And you know that you're being taken care of by your children. Yeah. You know, that's something we need to bring in there as well. It's a circle. That's like, yeah, that's another thing we've gotten far away from this whole culture of sending your parents to like homes. And mm -hmm. that's one thing I'd like to get my grandma. Well, my grandmother lives with her sister in their own home. Yeah. Like well, what I'm doing, my I'm my dad just is selling his house, and I'm going to take all his equity and put it in freaking Bitcoin, <laughs> boss. <laughs> and so I'm moving him to Canyon, Texas, in a smaller town, and I'm going to take care of. He will never see a home. Yeah. And same with my mother. So you know, and that's all going to be with the Bitcoin philosophy. Yeah. And so we're gonna we're gonna do it. It's important too. I mean, we see it. Um, we live with uh, awesome. my wife's parents mm -hmm. in the summer. It's just great. You get three generations in one house. And yeah. It's good for the it, kids to see that. It really is. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's bring that back. And, let, you know, this this winter, let's talk about that. We're about to go to Christmas. We're about to go to holidays. Let's bring this into the discussion with food to our families. Let's, you know, let's create a, a, a family, you know, discussion about all of this. And, you know, tag it up with Bitcoin, tag it up with animal protein, beef. You know, let's get people talking about this in a way that's, you know, responsible to the spirit of the holidays. Agreed. You know, let's let's step up here and let's let's have a good time doing it. And let's come with facts. Let's come with some dreams. Let's talk about renaissance instead of, you know, the end of the world. Let's paint some pictures. Yeah, let's, let's get creative here. Let's have fun with this. Let's 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 write some rock and roll songs. Let's write some country and western songs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's yeah. let's get fun. Let's 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 write some punk rock songs, and let's let's do that with you know love and truth that we're all kind of pursuing here. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful message to end this on. I I, I think it probably worked for a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, freaks, go enjoy your holiday season, whatever you're celebrating. Let's get these messages out there. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, stay in tune. Let's get to Beef Initiative. Just follow my channel right now at Modern. The, the platform's coming, I promise. But it's going to, you know, be, make sure we do it right. Yeah, we'll be linking to all this in the show notes. Slim. Yes. It's always a pleasure. Man, it's great to be here. It's, uh... We're going to do it many times. In the yes, future. we are. We are. We're going to come back. So yeah. you guys have a great holiday. You as well. Peace and love, freaks. <laughs> <laughs>